0: All right, welcome to back in tunes i'm your host michael my co-host
1: what's up everybody
0: god you're blow out the speakers man uh <laughs> um, oh, so okay. you, you'll notice something slightly unusual about this episode usually we have like good at minimum 30 seconds usually a minute of theme music before we start talking well this one is a little bit different because we're gonna be doing theme uh the theme music for shorts is only like five or six seconds long, and the reason we're, I bring that up is because we're going to be talking about Tex Avery, and then we're going to segue into the UPA cartoons, uh, both groundbreaking cartoons, both have been pretty much forgotten. I think Tex Avery might be a little more well-known because uh, it influenced The Mask so much. Not the one with Eric Stoltz, because that'd be weird. No, we're talking about the Jim Carrey The Mask. And he oh, did have, course. yeah, he did have a '90s revival series where I think it was only on for one year. It took all his famous characters and put them in a half-hour show. But for now, we're gonna pick a, a few of his m- well-known cartoons. You know, some that were groundbreaking, some that were like award-winning, or just introduced a character that was really important to his development. And uh, you've never, yeah. se- you've never seen any of these, have you?
1: Um, I actually did. I would watch a lot of these reruns.
0: Oh okay. good because And, you, I, and I used to watch Tom and Jerry's kids. Yeah, Boomerang was really good at keeping some of the older cartoons still around, but I think they ditched them. Not Boomerang, I'm sorry, Cartoon Network was originally the ones that aired these, then Boomerang, and then both stopped. Which is a shame. Yeah,
1: but even before yeah, even before Boomerang I would watch I would watch this uh late at night. Sometimes it'd be on, like during uh like after some of the newer cartoons and then we would just go to uh then we'd go to Looney Tunes and stuff like that to show a bunch of classics. Yeah can't remember because I was too young to remember. I did not give a damn. <laughs>
0: All <laughs> right, so the first tune uh, we're going to discuss is Dumbhounded, what is it, Dumbfounded Hound, which is the introduction of Droopy Dog, and we were just uh, having a Droopy Dog uh, showdown before we started recording, and you obviously won. <laughs> <laughs> my Droopy my Dog sounds like he needs medication for a dental thing gone wrong.
1: Well, in this age, you might need medication. He's, I'm just so old, you know. Oh. <laughs> if All you right. think my medicine intake is bad, wait till you speak to you. Or, oh my God, he also does eight lines of coke just to get through a work shift. Oh,
0: <laughs> he has got a serious depression, and uh, man, oh, just yeah. to seem normal. Yeah, how crazy. Um, so <sighs> the first one is up on. You found yours on YouTube or Daily Motion? I found mine in Daily Motion. Daily Motion. Okay, so we're gonna just go ahead and start. And hit play now.
1: Oh, right. Get the classic Lion intro.
0: Yeah, that's the cool thing about them back in the day is they got all the credits out ahead of time. Cartoons now, they do the theme, and then they show all the credits like on a real speedy flash. Like, I don't... What did I just see? But here, you know, they uh, they put everything right in front of you. That way you get to know who the the uh, directors and the designers and the writers are. Though, right. For some reason, they didn't really do the voice work very often. You know, they won't show you who did it, except for Mel Blanc. He got credit.
1: Oh, of course, Mel Blanc. He was, uh, he was the voice of pretty much.
0: All right, so Tex Avery, at, he was known for being with Warner Brothers for a very long time. He is the creator of Bugs Bunny. And I think he got sick and tired of the tightness, the the constricting behavior from uh, the Warner Brothers' heads. You know, they wouldn't let him do certain gags. So I think he got frustrated and he quit and went to MGM. And that's when his, he just flourished. Uh, his designs at MGM were just pretty much whatever goes. Tom, yeah, and he, did, he did.
1: He would go out there. Mm-hmm.
0: His sight gags are just insane. He he. Uh, the sad thing is he quit because he said he has done them all. He's done every gag he can possibly think of, which is a shame. And then he just wanted to do commercials. That's just commercials and the uh, easy-to-do work instead of the shorts.
1: I know. Because I mean... Even for something like this, like so much can go into a short. You're like having, just from watching this, it's like, oh my gosh, you think it's easy? It's not.
0: Yeah, he was just burned <laughs> out so young.
1: Yeah, but he did leave quite a legacy.
0: Yes, he created Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Droopy, Screwy Squirrel, and uh, was co-creator of Porky Pig, Chili Willy, and uh, I don't know how many other like C and D level characters. Oh, Chili Willy.
2: What oh, 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 Chili Willie
0: I still see Chili Willie all the time. I see product placement for him and you're just like really this is still going
2: My gosh
1: like, who, who could have, who could have thought Like you think they who actually knew they cared about Chili Willie well, especially when it comes to ice cream and popsicles yeah. yeah
0: One amazing thing about Tex Avery is that he was such a wonderful animator yet he only had one eye. He lost one of them and they're screwed around. And their head, uh, their headquarters was called Termite Terrace because it was Warner Brothers, like, it was basically a shack. It was a rundown building they had no use for, and they threw all the animators in there, so they cr- called it Termite Terrace. And then uh, one day while they are all screwing around, someone took a paper clip and a rubber band and shot it, and it went into Tex Avery's eye. Ow. Yeah. Jeez. It lost the eye, yet still his animation got even better. I don't know how you do that. Thankfully, he, we didn't have computer animation being dominant because I don't think he could have done the 3D the right way.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm not sure either. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Nick Fury in Avengers. like, how does he see both panels? He turns. <laughs> I, and I just can't help it. Every time you hear Joopy speak, it's just so funny.
2: Yeah.
1: Wasn't he also the voice of uh, Mr. Smee in the Peter Pan Disney movie?
0: Honestly, I don't know.
1: I'm pretty sure it is. He sounds just like him. Oh god! No, but uh, I kid you not. Every time later on in the cartoon when you see him like uh, chasing the wolf, and like no matter how fast the wolf goes, where he is, like Droopy will always be there. Like a like like a horror movie villain practically.
2: Yeah,
0: he is the Michael Myers of the animated world. (laughs) You
1: know what? You're going to die. But
0: I'm not even going to tell you. <laughs> um, I, I have to apologize to listeners right now. I, I had read this in a book, the story I just told you about <laughs> him losing his eye. Uh, actually, oh, yeah. it's slightly different. On Wikipedia, of course, Wikipedia could also be wrong. Uh, Wikipedia says it wasn't at the t- uh, Termite Terrace. It was when he was working for Walter Lance years before he had joined Warner Brothers, and it was a thumbtack not a paper clip who shoots Ow. a thumbtack
1: that... yeah because i've been shot in the eye i've been shot in the eye with a rubber band and i i, I still I'm, it's still here
0: oh my god the thumbtack what an asshole <laughs> that's a horrible thing to do to yeah mm. it
1: does it does certainly suck for them i ah oh, oh the horror <laughs> the horror that's terrible
0: uh, the reason I bring up Walter Lance also is the fact that once he left MGM, and uh, Warner Brothers is where he was creating all these characters, we got sick of how constricted it was. He went to MGM, and he was burned out, walked away for a little while, came back to do uh, maybe five cartoons for Walter Lance. Now, a lot of people aren't going to know who Walter Lance is unless they're into golden age, old Golden Age animation. Uh, Walter Lance is responsible for creating Woody Woodpecker. Oh! Yeah, so uh, Tex Avery worked for him for maybe six months just developing a handful of cartoons, and that's where he created Chili Willy, which we'll be probably watching later.
1: Chilly Willy. How could anyone not like Chili Willy? Willy, he's so cute. I know, he's a cute little penguin. He's so adorable.
0: Droopy is adorable by being so unbelievably not adorable. You know how pugs are. People are like, "He's so cute," and you're like, "Ah, oh, I don't know, man. That thing is horrifying."
1: I don't know. Sometimes pugs can be an asshole. Always biting at my shoes. Really? As a kid?
0: I've only heard that about shawls. Some...
1: Oh god, no. Oh, you'd be surprised. Shawls, at times, stereotypically, yes, they can be loud and be obnoxious little bastards. But you know, they're also they're actually quite sweet. They can be quite mellow. You'd be su- I mean, I used to have one named Bella. Miss and um, I kid you not, like she would not bark. She's always nice. She would always like to come up to you. She'd like you immediately. Like She was the sweetest dog ever.
0: How did we get on this again?
1: Because <laughs> we're talking about Droopy.
0: Oh, yeah, Droopy Dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I, I don't know. If I, if I had a Droopy Dog, I'd be worried. I'd be like, is he going to kill himself? Why is he so depressing? But this, this one is... Uh droopy is fun because he has so much energy He's so fast Yet at the same time he doesn't seem like he is it's a trick
2: <laughs>
0: oh i know yeah two unlike elements
1: pretty much yeah that's exactly what it is it's almost a almost a, wait not paradox no oxymoron a bit irony kind of like bruce banner and the hulk
0: yeah this is weird. Okay, so when Tex Avery was working on Bugs Bunny, uh, he did one called The Heckling Hair, where he and uh, Leon Schlesinger argued over the ending. And uh, it says here that he was suspended for four weeks for throwing in the punchline called, uh, the punchline is, hold on to your hats, folks. Here we go again. That was a well-known risque joke of the day. What are they talking about? Here, Are they talking about one. sex? Here we go again. Sex? Hold on to your hats. We're going to have sex again? Kind of, how I, that don't be so
1: I, I don't even know. I don't even know how that could come up.
0: Wow. Hold on is, your hats,
1: folks. Yeah. So again, uh I don't know. Was it a, in a, from a western?
0: I have no idea. But he got suspended for a month, and that probably didn't help. Why he wanted to leave.
1: Oh, jeez. Yeah. No, that was probably that was just the last straw. Oh. You know. <laughs> I kid you not, though. Go ahead. Droopy. I oh, don't know. It probably with it, Droopy, he's just like, you know what? I'm not upset. That's just how my face is. I was born with a slight physical impediment, okay? <laughs> Don't be such a dick. <laughs> uh, I had to read, I had to do a reading of Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that would be the, the longest book ever. You're just like, wow, this thing, I've been reading it for six years. When is this going to end?
1: I know, I mean, as, as misogynistic and, you know, fucking horrible as that piece of shit book is i mean having droopy read it or narrate it if you ever got if you ever got stuck seeing the movie having droopy read it would make it just absolutely hilarious
0: oh i heard that uh (laughs) who's the voice actor uh he was gilbert uh, godfrey yeah yeah i think you gilbert godfrey he did uh, his own version of it that had to be really oh it had to turn people on with nausea
1: yeah, dude. <laughs> oh god, wait till you actually see the video. Uh, it's like him actually narrating the thing. It's hilarious. But no. Oh god. Yeah, droopy. Uh, yeah, no, I don't see him as a depressing guy. I mean, come on, you know he's he's really quick. He's got so much going for himself. I guess <laughs> unless he's like a really old dog. Well, now yeah. nowadays, you're still if if he was alive, and he'd be really old, he'd probably be miserable. He's like, you know what? Just put me out of my misery. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, you know Droopy's probably his most famous creation when he went to MGM I, Droopy went on for a really long time but I don't think he holds anymore I don't know anybody who even brings Droopy up in conversation Bugs and Dabby right. of course because tons of merchandising but I always feel like you know Tom and Jerry still stick around but Droopy was really really popular even after Tex left uh, uh, animator Dick Lundy who was really great he t- he controlled uh, quite a few of his shorts and they looked beautiful in fact um, there's a lot of them that were shot in Cinemascope, you know, super widescreen. Oh, oh, yeah. Absolutely beautiful looking. Now, all of the Droopies are available on DVD, but only overseas are the rest of Tex Avery's cartoons available. Like in France, they have a five-DVD set. Here in America, apparently no one gives a shit, and I don't understand why you can't find any of his stuff.
1: Yeah, overseas, people care more. Well, I think I mean, te- I their think, healthcare system.
0: Yeah, I think Tex Avery, <laughs> his animated style is much more popular over there. But obviously, it's influential because you can see if you watch the Tex Avery cartoons and you watch the Tom and Jerry cartoons, you can see Tom and Jerry's constantly trying to keep up. Their physical humor start escalating and start imitating Tex. And like I said, the almost ma- uh, the, said the Matrix, the mask. Is probably the most obvious of our generation, where you see signs of his animated style. You I mean, Jim Carrey with the eyes bugging out, the tongue dropping to the table, and rolling out. That's all text.
1: All that, all those, you know, classical Acme cartoon gags. Yeah. And just... um, also, uh, yeah, no, that was clearly, you know, when he's like, when he's uh, earlier in the movie before he finds the mask, or no, when he finds the mask, and he turns on some text Avery cartoons. He's watching the episode of Red Hot Riding Hood.
0: Right, right, right. Which is, uh, I think, our next one, isn't it?
1: I believe
0: so. All right, so let's hop on over to that one, Red All Hot right, Riding. All we'll do. Now, there's quite a few of these. The Red Hot Riding Hood, uh, the Wolfie. There, I think there's like three or four in this style, and uh, there was another one of those where each time Tex was trying to top what he did with them. and they're very, very funny. Someone said that they're too seductive for their time, and I was like, really? Wow, things must have been horrible in the forties to be. Sorry, I went pause. Uh, my apologies, everybody. Um, I found mine on a place called E-Bombs World. Were you able to find it?
1: Uh, I believe so. I think it was also on the Inmotion. I'm checking right now. Yeah, there's
0: an edited version out there, which I think is about a minute shorter, and I just kind of want to get the complete version. I don't even know what E-Bombs World is, but uh, my virus protection did not go into alert mode, so I, I think we're good.
1: Yeah, no, I'd rather watch the whole seven-minute one than the five-minute one.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, so yeah, Red Hot Riding Hood is probably his most infamous, not his most well-known, because Droopy, obviously, and Screwy Squirrel I had a cult following, but this is probably the most infamous for, like, controversy.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, especially especially with what, what we're about to see in a minute. Although, I, 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 I kid you not, it's a wonderful, it is a wonderful intro. I'm not going
0: to lie. The, uh, the animation for the dancer was uh, Rotoscope, I believe. Which is, you know, where, where they film someone moving and then they kind of animate over it.
1: Oh! Just like with um, the
0: Ralph Foxy Lord of the Rings cartoon. Right, he does that. Uh, even Walt Disney, uh, he kind of keeps it a secret, but uh, I believe it was Snow White? I could be wrong on this one. Snow White, uh, where he rotoscoped, because uh, he couldn't capture... They, the animators weren't sophisticated enough to capture the movements, probably. I'm pretty sure it was Snow White, but I, if someone... That was the real answer to that one. Let me know. Uh, Red Hot Riding Hood is considered to be one of the greatest cartoons of all time. It was actually chosen as number seven uh, on the list of fifty greatest cartoons by the Am, all the members of the animation, like not really union, but like this uh, collective, like uh, the Academy of Animation.
1: Yeah, no, I wouldn't be too surprised. I mean, as far and plus the way the uh, okay, didn't they do? I think they did with that Tinker. I think they did that with uh, Tinker Bell for Peter Pan.
0: That's possible.
1: Yeah, but I love this intro. <laughs> oh gosh, it's like, you know, a typical Red Riding Hood and then the wolf gets all pissed off. It's like, you know what, everybody's doing this. Let's do something different. You know, hey, I agree with him. All right. Yeah, power to power to you, wonderful cartoons. Don't stay up for that. Fight back. Unionize.
0: <laughs> you know what? The uh, the version that was edited, I believe I believe it really is the true edited version. There was a lot of problems with this cartoon because of the way that the wolf reacts. To her. Not so much her dancing, but how he reacts. They thought it was too sexual. Too energetic.
1: Too sexist.
0: Yeah, he's, <laughs> they're saying basically he's getting aroused.
1: Well, I mean, how else did you react? I mean, I'm <laughs> sure if you were a kid and you were into cartoons, then yes. And look at him. Look at him. He's a freaking. He's a bro. He's a douchebag rich bro. Ugh. <laughs> 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 uh. Oh yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's. It, 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 I'm. I'm glad he. I'm glad Tex Avery did shake things up with this one. Grandma's joint. Come up and see me sometime. She's very inviting. How sweet. Oh, she looks like she's. What are the, what were the cool kids called back in the thirties? Like in the thirties and forties.
0: What? What are all the cool kids back in the thirties and forties saying? What are they called? What are the what are the what fancy are the, things called? What are are their Damn it. Tell hey, me, tell me, please. Where? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> what do you mean? I think the, they're a bunch of little swingers,
1: eh? Swingers? Ah. I don't know. I can't remember. Oh gosh, I should I should have known this. I loved reading about this in history class.
0: Oh. zood. I don't know what do, I don't know what the word you're looking for.
1: I'll find it eventually when I'm, you know, less. I'm a little more calm. It'll be upset. after we're
0: off the air. And you're like, oh damn it.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it'll be like, my. <laughs> ah, oh gosh! And I could, yeah, no. This is this is definitely some great high quality animation. I mean, I mean, I just look looking at the backgrounds, everything just seems so fluid. It just, it's so, it's time.
0: I'm trying to see how many spin-offs there were from this Red Hot Riding Hood. I know there's at least two others. I've seen them. Uh, like he has his uh, hillbilly cousin come to the city. I know that one. And I, uh, I can't see Oh, the that's line. right. Oh, yeah. yeah no. The slow-talking wolf character. <laughs> oh,
1: shit. So it's basically like Goofy's Goofy's crazy cousin.
0: Uh, Dawes Butler right? is the one who voiced him, who is known for doing uh, uh, Yogi Bear and stuff like that. Quick Draw, McGraw, oh. Huckleberry Hound. Oh, God, he he played a bunch of classics. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody talks about Mel Blanc, but a lot of people forget that Dawes Butler was like the Hanna-Barbera guy. He just did it. Uh, Warner Brothers had Mel Blanc, but MGM, man, they had Dawes Butler, and he was killing every time he'd come around and do an amazing role.
1: Oh, my darling, oh, my darling, oh, my darling
3: Clementine.
0: Yeah. Yep,
1: I remember oh so fondly. Uh, well, my dad would too. I mean, he He used to watch. He used to watch these a lot. I guess when he was a kid, he was always. On, I guess there were always reruns playing. Uh, oh, the days. Oh, when Cartoons used to be awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, there's Nowadays, still, there's still I mean, some stuff out there, but it's so the budget is cut so much that hand-drawn animation doesn't even really exist. And it's all this cheap Flash animation and computer, and I mean, every once in a while something will pop up. You're like, yeah, that's a truly original beautiful piece of art right there and it's hand drawn. i know it's just not fair the one Uh. one of the worst things about tex avery is that he did spend the last couple decades just not really in the limelight he uh he went back to the studio that he started with the lance studio where woody woodpecker was basically the big hero uh of course he basically did the ground I don't know if say, a uh, defining version of Chili Willy. I think Chili Willy actually existed a little bit before uh, Tex Avery showed up. But oh, wow. he got an Academy Award for two of the cartoons that he did over there at Lance. And even though that was going on, he still got paid nothing. Uh, Walter Lance was kind of on the lower end. So it breaks down like this on budgets. Disney was paying all the big bucks. They had huge budgets. Then Warner Brothers was second. And then third was UPA. Around 50000 a short was kind of average. And then you oh, had, wow. yeah, Disney was usually 75000 to to $100,000. Uh, Warner Bros. was usually around fifty to seventy-five. UPA was almost always around fifty. They kind of like, that was their line. But Walter Lance, he was around thirty. And that's when the quality starts to kind of show. But then you got guys underneath that. I don't even know if we'll ever even discuss this. Uh, but uh, there was Paramount. And then there was Terry Tunes, and they were shooting them out for like 15000 20000 They look awful. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, Paramount is known for Popeye. Popeye and Betty Boop. and uh, Bo- that, Those two I remember so fondly. Yeah, those are really good, but uh, the studio started to lose tons of money. I actually should say it's the Fleischer studio. They licensed all their stuff to Paramount. They did those amazing Superman cartoons, the most expensive cartoons at the time. Yes,
1: oh my, I remember watching those, Those especially one with the giant gorilla.
0: Yeah, those are fantastic, so they did those, they did Popeye, Betty Boop, and they were on a roll, but then Fleischer decided to make animated movies to compete with Disney, and spent so much money that basically they went bankrupt. They did two movies, both bombed, and they uh, built a brand new studio, and all of a sudden they found themselves with no product, no money, and nowhere to go, so... What's
1: the ones who also did Mighty
0: Mouse? Uh, no, Mighty Mouse is Terry Tunes. Uh, Terry oh, okay. Toons did uh, Mighty Mouse, Heckle and Jekyll, and uh, I want to say Deputy Dog. And <laughs> yeah, those three are okay, but the rest they put out. I got to tell you, if you ever see, did you ever notice when we w- both worked at the Bullseye? <laughs> People will figure out what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. when, we, when we worked retail. There used to be, like, on a corner where these cheap DVDs were. Did you ever notice there was, like, these packages yeah. of, like, 600 cartoons for $10? bucks? you are like, what? How are 600 cartoons available for that cheap? That was... Yeah, it's, like, extremely old cartoons. My yeah. God. And that was basically the Terry Tunes and Fleischer Paramount catalog. Yeah, I
1: think I think Mighty Mouse was on the cover of that.
0: Yeah, you'll always see Mighty Mouse. You'll always see Superman because they're public domain. And then there's a couple... Actually, I think maybe one Woody Woodpecker that's public domain just because the paperwork wasn't filled out right and that one cartoon ended up public domain. And, uh, right. yeah, those guys, they just they went bust and no one properly filed the, no no one cared. They didn't file the paperwork properly when it came to renewing the licenses and they fell into Races. the public domain. Yeah, so you get one of those sets. I got to tell you, from a historical value, awesome. From a quality value, you are <laughs> fucked. <laughs> <laughs> have to
1: say about about the wolf like pretty much he pretty much broke and entered into grandma's house yeah she's pretty much she's able to do whatever she wants to him okay and she can get away with it he shouldn't have broke in
0: he's a he's a dingleberry he kind of gets what he has
1: coming to him that's true but at the same time she's oh my uh, she seems very promiscuous and kind of yeah
0: (laughs) um you know what let's skip screw -screw. that reminds me that actually i think this is what uh that that Sequence
1: and Roger Rabbit was based off of. You know it, it what uh, is. Eddie Valiant
0: comes yeah, in,
1: yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's not just it's not just like a rabbit. It's a it's an imposter. <laughs> you,
0: you know when we get done talking about these Golden Age cartoons because we're kind of kind of we're filtering these throughout throughout the whole year. We're mixing up you know, like seventies, eighties, nineties, and Golden Age. We right. may want to actually grab a few movies to discuss. I think Roger Rabbit is a definite must. Then some Ralph Bakshi and stuff like that. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. Um, that is something we definitely should do. On the playlist, we had Screwy Scroll, but we're going to skip that one because we're going a little long here. Let's do Chili Willy Legend of Rockab- uh, Rockabye Point that is on Daily Motion. All right, so I found Chili Willy uh, Rockabye, Legend of Rockabye Point. I can't talk. Legend of Rockabye Point on Daily Motion, and then there is a Latino version on YouTube, which is very low quality. But you'll find a lot of Chili Willy on YouTube, just not the original for some reason. I know it's weird. It's weird, man. It's like really weird. That's the <laughs> van. Hey, this
1: that is John Travolta,
0: sponsoring Chili Willy.
3: Hey, Stan, you can't just walk out in the drive in movie. <laughs> no,
2: look
1: at This bear. Okay, honestly, this polar bear is a total douche.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, are you at the starting point or are you just at the part where uh, the old man is narrating it?
0: No, no, I'm already. It's already going. Okay, good. Uh, so, I, the last thing I'll say about Tex Avery is, like I said, he was doing commercials uh, after he left the Lance studio. He created the Raid, uh, the, the Roaches. Do you remember those cartoons at all They used to have animated commercials for Raid?
1: He's the one who did those cartoon
0: Roaches? Yeah, you know, the bugs in there are always like, Raid, and then run. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, of course, someone else took over after he passed away, so I'm sure what we mostly saw was someone else taking over for him. Uh, He also created something I have no idea how to react to. Uh, Frito-Lays. They had a character in the 60s and 70s called the Frito Bandito. Uh, Awkward? (laughs) I don't know how to react. It sounds racist. Sounds a little racist. Not sure. Wasn't there. I've never seen it.
1: (laughs) You know, honestly, that polar bear... Like if he gets bitten if he gets killed by this bulldog, he deserves it. He's no. an apple. He's just being a total prick to Chili Willy. How can you be a prick to that little guy? He's so cute. He's adorable. But you know, he don't he don't take shit from anybody, you know? He's like, Look, motherfucker, you ain't getting away with shit.
0: Nah, I'm sure Chili Willy can never even bring himself to say any of that.
1: No, but he he may not
0: speak, but he does
1: but his actions His eyes, man, his, his, his eyes matter.
0: He's and, got uh, <laughs> he's got crazy eyes. He's got like tiny Zeus Lister's eyes. Although I will say I do
1: feel sympathy for the you know polar bears because you know they're facing they are they're on the they're endangered they are endangered especially with like you know all the uh, carbon pollution in the air and you know Antarctica and you know the whole Arctic the South yeah getting warmer some ice is melting <laughs> they're actually the chemicals that, <laughs> sorry I can't help it's <laughs> this, this is cartoon I'm sorry it's just so funny It was okay. <laughs> I'm having to Him having to sing Rockabye Baby so fast. Chilly Willy being a mischievous little... (laughs) But hey, it's all for the sake of justice.
0: (laughs) There is one final cartoon that he came back for. Tex Avery created Quickie Koala Show, which I only remember by seeing ads in my comic books when I was very, very little. It only lasted one season. He died halfway through production. But at least he... He ended it on one of those notes where you know, oh, well, you came back to where you started. Full on animated cartoons.
1: <laughs> yeah, but sadly, though, no. for pol- polar bears actually are there's a uh, the chemicals within the uh, <laughs> chemicals like within the pollution that are causing the bears' uh, penises to break because they have bones in their penises. That's why, because it take it takes weeks for them to uh, impregnate a female polar bear. Weeks. So the bone, yeah.
0: Wow. Do they take breaks or do they just continue the whole time? Just oh golly, ah, two they more continue. weeks. They have the
1: strength to, yeah, they have the strength to do it, and they have actual bones in their penises. Oh. It gives an actual meaning to the term boner.
0: So is that why they're becoming extinct? Because the this thing's affecting them and they can't have babies. Yeah,
1: the bones in, the bones in their penises are like breaking down. They're degrading.
0: I think it's funny that you're laughing, but at the same time you're telling me something serious. You're like, <laughs> I know it's a damn cartoon, so know, they're all I'm dying.
1: Fine. I know it's a damn cartoon. I know it's a ser- that is a, it's a serious issue. Like it's, I mean, you know, it's not it's not terrifying enough that they're on a like a, you know just a single little you know block of ice floating in the sea. I mean that image does not terrify people anymore. And look, Chili really tries to get his own fish, and he takes it from him.
0: Okay, I was looking this up because see, I I. I it felt like Chili Willy was not Tech Savory's creation. Uh, and I looked it up, Paul L. Smith, who directed a lot of, he's a really great animator who was kind of restricted by budget, but he did a ton of really classic, classic Woody Woodpeckers. And he created Chili Willy, but then uh, Tech Savory took over.
2: Oh,
1: Still to this day, they remain the best of friends. Huh.
0: Chili Willy appeared in more than 50 theatrical shorts. That is a lot for back in the day. And in fact, he almost went to the very end. The very last animated cartoon uh, made specifically for the theaters was Woody Woodpecker. I want to say it's Chili Con Carney. I'm not sure. But it was that was one of the last ones. But Woody Woodpecker was the very last of the Golden Age cartoons. Because even Pink Panther, the Bugs Bunny, they all left. They started going strictly to TV. And it just... It's kinda that nice. Yeah, it's kind of nice knowing that Chili Willie was there to the end. Uh-huh. I, tri- I said that like he so was adm- a real person. <laughs> so admirable, you know. You can't help it. <laughs> you stay all the way to it, man. Leave no cartoon behind. He's like,
1: no, man, I must.
0: You have to get away. Let me hold it down. Oh, wait, hold <laughs> on a second. Everything that I liked about Chili Willie is going down the tubes. Because he is the official mascot of Phi Theta Pi Ugh, fraternities. He is? Yeah, how did they even pop? Maybe they're just desperate for cash. Like, yeah, sure, I don't care. Just take him. Ugh. Okay. Oh,
1: gosh. No wonder why the... This... Oh, God. I wonder how many crap boys get so many girls. <laughs> There's there... that one in
0: particular uh I wanted to talk about Scroll just real quick. We won't be watching the cartoon, but uh, he was significant in the early forties because he kinda of brought out that wacky style that Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny started picking up. But Screw Squirrel was like if you gave crack to Woody Woodpecker, this is what Screw Squirrel would be. He was insane and so funny. But he just didn't last very long. He was revived for the nineties series though.
1: I know, I was a bit surprised. I mean yeah, he was he was a bit he was a bit of a troublemaker, but he was also a smart ass too.
2: Yeah, he really I mean, had a dead car-
1: I mean throughout that cartoon, yeah. The reason why he didn't show up for school was because, yeah, he had the measles the whole time. <laughs> but, oh my god! And then, of course, I'm pretty sure those truant officers—I know they don't have them anymore, probably because of budget reasons, and probably because someone might have hired a child molester.
0: Uh, do they that even have hall monitors? I feel like I always see on TV hall monitors and that uh, truant officers. I don't—I never—I never experienced any of that.
1: No, we just called them. They were at yard duty. We just call them that, uh. or assholes when we get yeah. to know, when they decide when they were acting like them. <laughs>
0: All right, so that's it with us on Tex Avery. Uh, we're going to discuss UPA just for a couple cartoons, and uh, we'll be right back. All right, so uh, the playlist for UPA is up on YouTube. It's just simply called UPA playlist. There's only four cartoons, and the first one is Robin Hoodlum. If you need to pause this and then come back. All right, and we're going to start with now.
1: Indeed. Robin Hoodlum, I can, it's like, (laughs) this is kind of funny. It's like this guy, you know, galloping, you know, in a hurry, in a scared hurry, to get away from these arrows. And it was was hard to notice at first, but yeah, turns out those are arrows coming after him.
0: Now, you'll notice John Hubley, Bob Cannon, two of the most important names for UPA. I was telling you about UPA, and I don't think a lot of people even know who they are. Like, you'll mention a couple of characters, like Magoo, and... Gerald McBoing-Boing every once in a while gets attention. But UPA was one of those very, very important studios that has almost been completely forgotten. Uh, they had taken over for Sony Pictures, uh, actually it was Screen Gems, which is a division of Sony. They taken over Screen Gems Animation Division. And all they had were the Fox and Crow and maybe a couple other dozen uh, cartoons. But only the Fox and Crow were the ones that they were required to continue with. They, in fact, had no real interest in doing talking animals. They wanted to focus on more mature stories, and we'll see this as we go along here. But uh, I believe this is the second of the Fox and Crow cartoons that they took over, and the animation is so exquisite for 1948. If you look at this and you know your golden age animation, you would swear it's from 10 years later because Warner Brothers and Disney and everybody else wasn't even up to this kind of quality until the late 50s. Now you notice are you outside right now with the night walking around the woods? Yeah, okay, so you see how the trees have this very oddball flat I mean they look flat, <laughs> flat. they're not even attempting. It's very stylized. They're the first ones to really take these backgrounds and change uh instead of trying to be realistic the way Disney was, they wanted to give it attitude and style,
1: <laughs> yeah, they did. I mean, I know there's just like there's great detail on the character though. And as when you were mentioning uh, that they're the ones behind Mr. Magoo, that one I knew very well. That one I did, I remembered fondly.
0: Well, it helps that there's a truly hideous hideous piece of crap movie with Leslie Nielsen, God love him, but that movie was the most miserable thing I've ever sat through.
1: It was. uh, It was almost as bad as Dudley Do-Right. I have, what?
0: I actually quite like Dudley Do-Right. But Magoo is so over the top. It was directed by Stanley Tong. And the Hong Kong style of comedy is completely different than American. They go very big, very uh, huge physical movements, and it doesn't work. And it's it's ironic that it doesn't work for a cartoon movie. You'd think it would, but for some reason you're watching it the whole time going, nope, no. I mean, it's not a very nope. good script anyway, but you're the whole time you're like, that joke did not work at all. <laughs> I look- i love it when i'm recording and in the distance you can hear a dog and you're just like do not come anywhere near here do not come anywhere near here
1: <laughs> yeah oh robin hood he's such a he's uh he's so shifty <laughs> come one come you ye, come ye one come ye all
0: all right you fox, too fox and crow were created by frank Tashlin, who originally worked for warner brothers he did this between Warner Brothers, and uh, eventually he became a live-action director. Who, he directed some really great movies with an animated style. Like, they're live-action movies, but they had such a colorful way of looking that it, uh, he uh, he really brought them together, animation and live-action.
1: No, sorry, I'm just so distracted by this. It's okay. It's, it's a, a really know, good cartoon. Animated. It is. It's it's wonderfully animated. Oh, my gosh. And it's, it is. It's just so unique. Just looking at... Oh, uh, what, this other,
0: this was a uh, nominated for an Academy Award.
1: No, really, was this? Did this come out around the time uh,
0: the Errol Flynn Robin Hood movies came out? Uh, I believe Errol Flynn the first one was in nineteen thirty nine, so this oh, okay. was nine years later. But there's probably going to be a big influence because that movie was huge,
1: indeed, and and much le- and less goofy. Because look at Robin Hood doesn't even try; he messes up on purpose, and he still <laughs> gets the bullseye. That's why he's the best archer ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, while the cartoons stopped in 1950 once UPA changed the focus of what they were trying to do, uh, they were licensed out to DC Comics, and their animated, uh, their sorry, their comic book went on for 108 issues. That is crazy long for a, a, a short that wasn't even out anymore. UPA? Yeah, UPA this... licensed it out to DC Comics.
1: Wow. That is amazing. 108 issues. Holy Oh
0: shit! I know. I mean, comic book characters that are really well known don't even go that long anymore. Then again, let's just say this: Marvel and DC like to reboot constantly to the point of irritation.
1: Right. Although when it comes, to, although lately, I mean, as far as like, yeah, rebooting, uh, I'm, I'm just so sick of it. I thought they rebooted everything with just with the New Fifty Two, and now they're no longer doing New Fifty Two. Yeah, I love those stories. Those are it's, awesome. They're well, like, are they going to yeah. finish
0: them or what? Uh, it's, seriously, it's every five years. Marvel's just doing it for the very first time, but DC does it constantly.
1: Yeah. I like, <laughs> okay. Like this, God, the Merry Men just seem to be a bunch of lazy lazy pricks. Huh. Like They just sit there. It's like, oh, we're having tea time. Yeah, look at them. They take a few steps. They're automatically out of breath. Jeez, they get no cardio. They just sit there and you know, drink tea while Robin does all the work. And they only realize they only realize Robin's in trouble because they he's not there at tea time.
0: You know, for uh, Roger Rabbit, pretty much included every single significant animated characters. You know, in some one way or another. Even at, even at the end of the movie, you know, when they bust through to the cartoon world and you see like a hundred of the people you missed, Fox and Crow were never put in. They were planned, but then it never happened. I don't know why. They could have easily thrown them in at the very end.
1: Oh, I know he's somewhere.
2: Should've.
1: <laughs> God, crow is so terrible at haggling with that pig. <laughs> and that's pretty much how the that's pretty much how people most monarchy you know, ir you know, are were. They were just of like biggest, selfish, gluttonous assholes.
0: All right, so our next and, one, I'm I'm assuming it's gonna go straight into Ragtime Bear, but I have the IQ of a pumpkin sometimes, so I'm not sure. Uh it's, it's just going to fast forward because it has like it a. It is. It 17. is Ragtime Bear. What? It is Ragtime Bear. That is the next one. Yeah, I mine just wouldn't go. There was like a twelve second delay for some reason, so I just fast forwarded. Got it. Um, (laughs) Oh, are we on pause? What's that? Yeah. So the movie sucked. Uh, The cartoon's awesome. Uh, You know what's the funny thing is? I was reading the autobiography. Oh my gosh, I have these moments. I have these moments. You know, he played Mr. Howell on Gilligan's Island. Oh, god! you've done it again. Oh my god, why can't I remember? This is ridiculous. Uh, uh, Bacchus, Jim Backus. Uh, I just read his book, uh, Jim Bacchus Strikes Back. It's about his tale of dementia. Uh, I actually think it was Alzheimer's. Uh, and they were talking about the fact that Underneath, when you hear Magoo kind of mumble and it's incoherent, it's actually uh, Jim Backus doing the filthiest things he could possibly get past. Nobody knew what he was saying, but he says, I was just getting real raunchy. Oh,
1: my God. Really? So, so wait, he's the voice. So, Jim Backus is the voice of Mr. Magoo?
0: Yes, I'm hey, from, from Gilligan's Island. And then he would change his voice. Like, uh- yeah.
1: I thought he was based. I thought Mr. Magoo was based off of him.
0: No, it's him. <laughs> it's Jim Backus. Magoo, <laughs> you've done it again. That's the worst Magoo ever. Lovely. I, it's, oh it's, weird, it's ironic <laughs> that I can do Thurston uh, Hal the Third, but I can't do uh, Magoo. <laughs> and if you notice in this in this cartoon, that Magoo changes actually quite a bit over the years. He's he, he's a a little cuter. I think it's, it's the facial on his his face or whatever looks nicer later.
1: Not so cute right now. He's a dickhead.
0: Yeah.
1: You old bastard. Oh, he, he lets his nephew die. Oh, horrible. And then comes Paddington Bear, all grown up. <laughs> Trying to figure out the banjo. Oh, uh
0: I love the fact that he's so nearsighted love and he it. can't oh. tell what's going on, but he refuses to really accept that and acknowledge it. You know? it's like, I'm not blind, I can see fine.
1: <laughs> it's so funny to hear him get pissed off.
0: Because you know, <laughs> when you can't tell what he's saying, it's something filthy. Oh, <laughs> uh,
1: poor bear. He insulted his coat, his natural, natural coating.
2: Mmm. I think yeah, it, no, uh,
1: I know. I just love the, the movement of the fingertips when he's trying to play the banjo. I thought that was just absolutely wonderful. It's so fluid, so fluid.
0: Uh, I think it's strange that he's one of the very few human characters in in cartoons back then that were popular. I mean, yes, we did have uh, Elmer Fudd, but he wasn't exactly popular. He was just kind of the he was the driving point. To a lot of these characters, Magoo was the star. You know, and not only did he get uh, the cartoon, but he also you know. He uh he had tons of merchandising. He had his own animated movie too. I'm not sure if I've seen that though. Whoa, A Thousand One Arabian Nights, it's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, good great idea, Bear. I love you know, I love his mentality. He's right. No, screw Mr. Fall, <laughs> oh, Catch the banjo. <laughs> I can't help but laugh at this, it's wonderful. But he's getting the hang of that banjo though. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he was saying right there.
0: All right, so UPA they they pioneered the technique of limited animation now we, we we're discussing on some other cartoon limited animation is where they're trying to streamline the look, take out all the complicated stuff, give it more style. The problem with that is yes, they pioneered it. Other studios took it though and they just made these cheap looking lazy I just ah, very few of them really come through. Uh, yes, they look clean-lined, but at the same time, they didn't have any of the flair or the quality of storytelling. It's just awful,
1: right? But <laughs> 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 oh, Magoo, you've done it again! Oh God, so tell me more about the creation of this. Can you tell me more about the creation, of Mr. Magoo, or like what inspired him?
0: Well, part of it's W.C. Fields. <laughs> I mean, you can see that. Kid, go away, kid. You're bothering me. You're bothering me. And that's part of it. Uh, A lot of it's just uh, taking a character that was so stubborn in his uh, failing body. You know, I mean, Magoo was a shriveled little man who couldn't see, and apparently he couldn't hear very well. And, you know, he just got kind of... grumpy about it the funny thing is is he also seems to be very lucky he should have been dead a thousand times over for some of the stuff he goes through yet it somehow survives uh, and i don't know why oh wow look at him he's sleeping he's sleeping with a double-barreled shotgun
1: uh. <laughs> oh my gosh i love how this bear's just torturing him yeah no plus uh oh, I, oh i'm wondering like did he like did his like you know crabby behavior end up to the lead to the demise of his wife or did his wife oh my
0: god they never do discuss that do they is he was he married No. or is that his nephew or is that his son i thought that was his nephew
1: waldo's his nephew and he killed him oh and now he's just now he's just overcome with guilt uh yeah he is in hot water you just killed somebody
0: i didn't know this but the guy who created him wow millard kaufman created him he wrote the script for magoo and Magoo was actually, sorry, Magoo. <laughs> Kaufman was blacklisted during the whole McCarthy era stuff. And he oh did, God, he created Magoo as a reaction of the being blacklisted. Um, so Magoo is actually a villain in these early cartoons because he's supposed to be a mean spirited McCarthy like reactionary whose mumbling would include uh, just outrageous ranting and, and, and nonsense. So he's actually the villain of this.
1: Um, Magoo?
0: Yeah, Magoo is the villain for, at least the beginning, couple cartoons.
1: I think he's a Yeah, he's definitely a villain right here. Look at him. Gosh, he says he's going to kill his nephew if he plays one more note on the banjo. Jeez. What a nut job.
0: And, and to somehow, yeah, it's so, go. somehow Middle America connected to him because Magoo was their most popular character. I mean, he constantly pops up every once in a while in a, in a, a direct-to-video movie or an animated series, and man, do I hate the commercials on YouTube. Everything requires a commercial now. It's nonsense. Do you ever try to watch a trailer? A two-minute trailer on YouTube, you have to sit through a -a two-and-a-half-minute trailer for another movie. You're like, what? How does that even even out? Right. Oh, God.
1: I know. It's like like the the trailer that does play is something you don't even want to see.
0: (laughs) All right. So, Gerald McBoing-Boing is our next one. Created by Dr. Seuss. And here's the cool thing. If you look at the credits, you're going to notice Bill Melendez, very important in animation. He would go on to do all the Charlie Brown animated specials and movies. Oh, wow. And he started with this company, and he learned how to do that quick streamline. Because you see so much uh, in this Magoo, or this uh, Gerald McBoing-Boing cartoon that you would later see transferred over to the Peanuts cartoon. It's a lot of emotions, a lot of simple style, but at the same time, very artistic.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, just looking at it, just looking at this, man. Look how everything just like how it's starting out. You know, it's just drawn there. You know, it's not just like your typical setting where it just like fades to black and fades in. And all of a sudden, you see a blank screen, and everything gets drawn in as the story's being told. Yeah,
0: it's it's Fantastic. so wonderful.
1: Yeah, it is. And and when you're saying created by Doctor Seuss, I was like, no wonder why it looks so familiar.
0: <laughs> you know, in McBoing Boing, he had a slight revival because there is a. Uh, a moment in Hellboy where he is watching, Hellboy is watching Gerald McBoing-Boing, and on the DVD, they included a few of his cartoons, and for some reason, that really triggered with people, and uh, they, uh, I think it was Cartoon Network that signed off on a a season of it, brought it back.
1: Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, this is just so fantastic to watch.
0: And this did win the Academy Award for Best Short of 1951.
1: Oh, oh wow! I was actually just about to ask you that question. Like, did it ever did it win in a, any awards, or an oh wait, Emmys weren't even around then, were they?
0: No Emmys. I don't. If they were, they were brand new. Uh, UPA, groundbreaking studio. They were not around for very long, as we see them here with the animated shorts. I believe they took over the Fox and Crow in '48, and by 1960 they were out of the theatrical business. While they won tons of awards. They were nominated for fifteen Oscars in ten years. Damn. Ten years—that's that, killer. Uh, they just did not bring in the money. Magoo did well; the rest did not, and eventually got to the point where UPA decided, you know what, we're going to do TV. We're going to do TV animation, and and, and not. And I feel like they said, you know what, we're also going to make the worst shit you've ever seen. If you ever watched the UPA Dick Tracy cartoon. Everything that you see in these shorts that are so wonderful is thrown out the window. That Dick Tracy, as much as I love Dick Tracy, is brutal. It's cheap, cheap, low-budget animation, and it's really, really fucking racist.
1: Well, oh, shoot, I'm not too surprised. It
0: hurts. The Magoo isn't too bad. Uh, I believe they did Beetle Bailey, which is okay, but that Dick Tracy just, boom, right in the nuts. Whew. Ow. Uh, and there's some other ones. There's so many that I wanted to include, but we had to keep this uh, pretty slim. Uh, unicorn in the Garden was a really great one where a man is sees a unicorn in his garden. He goes to tell his wife, and she doesn't believe him. Yeah. She believes that he's truly insane, and somehow it gets switched, and she ends up going to the booby hatch.
1: Oh, my gosh. Wait, you saw a unicorn in his backyard like Decker did in Blade Runner? <gasps> <laughs>
0: okay. Oh, my I God. Say, is that the you know, origin honestly? of Blade Runner? <laughs> Could be
1: but i have to say right here like what's right these kids you yeah. know well no then again children are often the most cruel he just he just wants to play he just wants to be a he just wants to play like everybody else he just wants to be accepted Plus, oh my gosh and how can his parents be such dicks they can't accept him for who he is that's so evil that's ter- that's the that's terrible parenting uh like <laughs> that poor child he's crying and his dad's shaving and just saying you know get out of here I don't want to hear you. So evil. This is this is okay. I think this was a public service anou- announcement on how to not be a shitty parent. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure. Oh look! Oh, now he wants to run away.
0: Yeah, you know, it's the strangest thing. Is that they were known for doing cartoons. So how is it by the '70s they're completely out of the animation business? If the, anything does happen with Magoo or McBoing Boing, it's licensed off to another company. But they end up signing a contract with Toho to distribute the Godzilla movie. How do you go from cartoons to Godzilla movies? What the huh?
1: Uh, I'm sorry, say that again.
0: Oh, uh, I was saying they dropped out of cartoons by the the late uh, late 60s. And then they decided to focus on distributing uh, Godzilla movies it's, it's oh, wow. so wacky why are you doing live action Godzilla movies and mind you when Godzilla was not very good it was falling apart by the 70s
1: oh of course even with the introduction of that cartoon and look at it now McBo- wait a minute that's child labor you better be getting you better be getting paid actual money for that and not just candy <laughs> like it doesn't matter if he's a kid that's unfair that's so unfair and wasn't wasn't child labor illegal wasn't it outlawed by this time Oh, my God.
0: Uh, so, UPA is done. They've been done for a very long time. They're, most of their product is owned by DreamWorks now. So, if Spielberg wants to make a movie, he can make a movie out of this, but not Magoo. Magoo is the only thing that's still held by UPA, and they, they do that for licensing rights.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, there's also um, oh yeah, Peabody and Sherman, Rocky and Bowling and what else do they do?
0: Uh, well, they owed he bad. Basically, they own the filmation. They own, uh, Jay Ward. Uh, I think his catalog, I think the whole thing. And the UP. Oh, wow. Yeah, they own a few things here and there, but, uh, mostly it's the filmation that brings in the money. The money.
2: Yeah,
1: now everybody's nice to him. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. These, These people are such pieces of material, pieces of shit. And his parents are proud of him because he got them a new fucking limo.
0: God. I think this is the first we've gone. Uh, here's a funny thing if you haven't listened to our show what before. Shit, what, what okay, 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 okay. Calm down, Jacob. <laughs> the one thing about Bye. Back in Tunes, the first year we were very, very PG. Well, let's say, actually, the first four episodes were kind of dropping F bombs, and then we kind of catered uh, PG 13, PG, maybe a little bit of G, then all the oh, way. We're almost X right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know what? We're breaking barriers. <laughs>
0: Uh, the last one, we're not we're not, we're not actually gonna sit through the last one. I'll just tell you this: uh, the last one is Telltale Heart. It is their masterpiece. It is so unusual, so dark, but it's a uh, it's Based seven minutes it. long, and I think we're pretty much done with what we need to say. But yeah, uh, honestly. Plus, I mean, plus Edgar Allan Poe's one of
1: Edgar Allan Poe's uh, greatest work. Yeah, and it's it was beautifully just, animated. Oh my by god, god. It's so
0: unusual, and uh, so UPA. It's. Uh, The Magoos are all available. McBoing Boings, I believe, are all available. Jolly Frolics is the name. You know, there's Merry Melodies and and, uh, Looney Tunes and stuff like that. Everybody had one that was, you know, a title that was similar to that for their animated cartoons. Jolly Frolics is the name of the UPA cartoons. And if you go on, I believe it's the Warner Brothers Direct DVD. I I mean, it's Turner Home Entertainment. You can find it on Amazon. How about that? Amazon. Go find Jolly Frogs. You can find tons of their cartoons in this beautiful set, all cleaned up, and audio commentaries by Leonard Moulton. Oh, wow. That's going to be awesome. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, it's a, it's a great collection. It's not too expensive. Uh, UPA, they're also, if you go to their website, they have people putting together books, art you can buy, like original artwork, and they're putting together a DVD showing not only the reunion of everybody who's still alive, but a history of the studio.
1: Everybody who's still alive. Oh, gosh.
0: Yeah, can't uh, be a whole lot by this point. I, I discovered it 10 years ago, so I imagine I most of them were gone. Sorry, uh, we that's sorry everybody, we know. Yeah. Uh, that's it for me on uh, the UPA. Did you want to say anything else?
1: You know, I would I would hope they bring back Joe McBoing-Boing. Some way, some other way. I mean, with all the noises he can make. Yeah. Actually, you know, bring him back. You know, screw it. Bring him back in Police Academy. Yeah. <laughs> of the new Police Academy movies, I'm with uh, Michael Winslow.
0: Uh, I would say ten years ago, that animated series that they did was pretty well received. Uh, it's just it wasn't intended to go more than a season, so it's one of those just just one and done. And that's it was beautiful. Um, so I think we're going to sign off. Uh, except for I want to say check us out on Facebook. We have a new page solely devoted to Back end Tunes, and you can find all of the episodes. This is our most popular show. The love that we have from the fans. Is just amazing. I mean, they're giving us suggestions for cartoons. You know, they're telling us what works, what doesn't work. You know, what they want to see in future episodes. And uh, I'm so positive in the success of the show. I have the rest of the year planned out. I mean, usually we just do a few weeks ahead, but I, I, I know that people are sticking with us. And we're gonna mix it up. We're gonna throw in some Golden Age. We're gonna throw in some 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and eventually. We're going to run out of cartoons. We're trying to focus on cartoons that are 20 years or older, you know, 1995 and back. But, you know, I don't – actually, I don't see why we need to stick to that rule. I started thinking about it. I would love to talk about, like, Justice League, Invader Zim, uh, Foster's Old, home yes. for extraordinary or imaginary uh, creatures.
1: That, and also uh, Billy and Mandy, Dexter's Laboratory. Yeah. Uh, uh, John Bravo. <laughs> yep. Oh, gosh, yes, Johnny Bravo. I'm surprised we haven't even talked about that one yet. That was a classic for me. Ed, Ed and
0: Eddie oh, was man. great. So uh, I think the only one we ever talked about Cartoon Network was uh, 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 Space Ghost. I think it's the only one that we've ever done. Yeah, it is. You know what? Oh, I, gosh, th- so I said that wrong. It's Foster's, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, isn't it? Did I say it wrong?
1: Right? Yeah, that's, right. it. that's exactly yeah. what it is. My little brother my little brother and sister love that.
2: Oh, I love that cartoon.
1: So much. My, my little sister... My little sister named her little teacup chihuahua after the character Blue. <laughs>
0: All right, everybody. So check us out on Facebook. If you have any suggestions or anything that uh, you want to comment on, let us know because we love to hear from you guys.
1: Yes, do so I and mean, throw us into so, throw us into some more wacky adventures.
2: Yes.
0: All right, everybody.
1: To truly understand these cartoons, I go I go through I go head over heels. Yes. But I have not taken I have not taken a hallucinogen.
0: Yeah, yeah you I the, haven't gone that far just yet. The one thing I love about doing this show with Jacob is the fact that, yes, we are, what, 15 years apart or so? I'm 38. And you experience cartoons from a different perspective than I did. So you can bring all this stuff that I like. You grew up on the West Coast. I grew up in the middle of America. So I don't get to be exposed to anime. I didn't even know what anime really was until, my God, like in the middle of college. And, uh, you know, and I was studying golden age animation for a book for a long time. So we get to throw these stuff at each other at the same time. You guys get to enjoy it too. And, uh, next week's episode is going to be, I was uh, looking it up. I threw my book away. Damn it. Uh, I want to do battle of the planets and maybe something else. Throw it in. Robo attack. Maybe. Yes. Okay. So yeah. Cause those two I have never seen. And I know there's some crazy hardcore fans over those two shows, isn't Battle of the Planets also called Gotchaman or something?
1: I have no idea. I many not even know what Battle of the Planets is.
0: Oh, really? Uh, I've been told that it's a really fantastic cartoon. Uh, and the yep. funny thing is, when we first started this, we just wanted to watch cartoons that we knew. But I think more we turned into more of a review show where we discover cartoons and uh, discuss them with each other. And sometimes we really know them well, or one of us knows them, the other one doesn't. So, oh, no. it, uh, yeah, Man. It's, uh, it's a 1978 space odyssey but uh in america it was called battle of the planets
1: right as for robotech i might have to go full hunter s thompson on that one
0: okay all right so everybody, (laughs) everybody this is michael signing off
3: seven watching warning against surprise attack by alien galaxies from beyond space
0: Inseparable. Alright, welcome to Back in Tunes. I'm your host Michael, my co-host.
1: Hey everybody, it's Jacob. What's up? <laughs> uh,
0: that is one long, long intro. I think that's one of the longest we've ever done. That was a minute and a half.
1: I know, I was just about to, I wanted to play the cue music from the Oscars right now. to tell that <laughs> to wrap it up. up.
0: Well, I think Wrap it up. back in the 70s, man. People had more patience. Nowadays, the theme song has to be like, go, 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 done. Wrap it up. Let's go. We have to get hit commercials. Um, yeah. it, was, it was also very disco. I felt like I was on the love boat.
1: <laughs> or on Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. Not that
0: I it. I love those. I, I, okay, I have no problem with disco. I know people really hate it. But you know what? Heavy metal, disco, punk, soul, I don't care. If it's good music, it's good music.
1: Uh yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, I, I will debate that kiss song I was made for loving you. Oh, like oh no,
0: that's what kiss sold out, man. I don't know. Kiss is a weird anomaly. I love kiss and I hate kiss at the same time. Those guys are amazing when they're not so focused on let's make some merchandise, let's make money. I'm, I just want to be famous, you know, that's the worst Gene Simmons ever, but you get my point.
1: Yeah, I know, but you it was quite spot on. that is his personality.
0: <laughs> yeah, anyway, all right, so battle of the planets. do tell tell me a little bit about this cartoon? Uh, Battle of the Planets, uh, a.k.a. G-Force, uh, b- brought to America by Sandy Frank Entertainment. Uh, <laughs> Sandy Frank has a constant joke on Mystery Science Theater because he did all those, like, uh, uh, kaiju movies. You know, like, some of the bad, uh, uh, what's the turtle's name again? Not Oh, Gamera. Gamera, thank you. Gamera and, like, this bad Battle, uh, Planet of the Apes ripoff, uh, Time of the Apes. He, he just did a bunch of, like, uh, foreign stuff that he would bring over here. And I think Battle of the Planets is one of the only shows of his that uh, really was of quality, of any quality, because most of it was just, like, low-end, embarrassing stuff. But uh, before we get too far into this, let's uh, go ahead, uh, the whole season is available on YouTube, let's go ahead and start the first episode and discuss it. Right meow. Right meow?
1: Okay. Right meow. Meow. Blast off! <laughs> yeah, yeah get, we had you- to skip the. A-
0: you can tell there's a, there's obviously a Star Wars influence in the opening. I mean, huge score. You got the, the stuff scrolling across the screen. I love the fact that he describes five young people as if, like, yo, hold on a second. There's no old people. Cool it. Nobody wants any gray hairs around here. I think it's ageism in this cartoon.
1: Yeah, I know. That's s to the b i was like wait there's got to be some experience oh they have a robot they have a little r2d2 knockoff yeah that is such
0: a okay um i will bring this up since we're talking about the little r2d2 bastard um i like the look of them uh like it's kind of like a slight mobius look on the design but uh i hate cute characters i love thundercats but i hate snarf i love he-man but i hate orko I hate cute characters that are clumsy and goofy and have a high-pitched voice. I just want to stab them in the eyes.
1: You must love Care Bears.
0: Oh, God. You know one thing while we're at this? I was just thinking about this this morning. (laughs) We, uh, man, I don't know if at any point we're ever going to be able to discuss those kind of cartoons. Care Bears, Strawberry Shortcake, My Little Pony. (laughs) Oh,
1: shit. I don't know if we can do My Little Pony. Okay. This part, okay. When they were just flipping out in the intro, they're like flipping towards the space, the enemy spaceship. Yeah. What the hell was that? I, I Seriously, don't I don't know. That was some cheap animation, and plus, it's, it's like you're flipping towards a spaceship. That spaceship could have flown already. <laughs> you didn't even go into some flying stance. You didn't use those capes. Those look like they could be useful. Come
0: on. Come on now. Hooah.
1: I, <laughs> yeah, no, Sorry, I didn't want to. I didn't want to tear it a new asshole just yet. <laughs>
0: uh so it's there's so many different names for this cartoon battle of the planets g-force but of course overseas where it was or, or created uh called i kid you not science ninja team Gotchaman. Science. science ninja team Gotchaman. why is it so long are they even ninjas i don't see any ninjas uh i
1: don't know plus ninjas you're not even supposed to know they're ninjas they're secret they're very secretive
0: yeah do you think there's some ninjas out there, like towards the end when ninja Ninja wasn't so popular, that they're like, oh man, I'm gonna have to make some business cards. I have to do some networking. I need some work. Or do they have like an agency for that kind of thing? Like, do you think they have a, a guy in an office with gold rings and uh, fancy uh, teeth, being like, okay, I got a good guy for you. This guy he's assassinated 1,200 people. No one's even noticed, uh, and, and he, he's a sod guy. No one has to worry about him whatsoever. Hey, everybody, sorry about that. That might be an awkward pause. My power went out, and my Xbox went red, and I freaked out. Ah, thank goodness, power's back on. Uh, So for you, the episode's still going, so this is an awkward moment. So I'm going to continue and shut up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I have to say, though, this animation looks
0: really cheap. What?
1: Really? To me, this does.
0: For 70s animation, I thought this was actually pretty good.
1: I don't know, but I don't like this giant, like, Robot, drill-nosed thing. I think the design looks stupid.
0: Oh, it looks something... Oh, It's stupid, all right. It looks like something out of uh, Gamera, for sure. You know, you watch those Godzilla movies, you watch the Gamera movies, and I, I think the idea of a turtle with fire coming out of his ass and, you know, fighting for good was awesome. But at the same time, the design of the villains was insanely bad. And this looks like one of those half-assed designs that you would see <laughs> in a Gamera movie. Not a Godzilla. Godzilla almost always had it down.
1: Oh yeah, no, definitely. Oh gosh. Oh yeah, you know, Gamora did have an influence. He there, he actually had like a little reference in Dragon Ball, the original Dragon Ball, when uh, he got mass when um, he first meets goes to meet Master Roshi.
2: Yeah.
1: Goku uses the flying Nimbus, so Master Roshi has to call on something to fly around, and he calls flying Gamora, which yeah. is like or it's a little little Gamora turtle that he just flies on and spins around the whole time.
0: You know, we've never. Even discussed in the slightest whether we'll ever do like Pokemon and Dragon Ball and stuff like that. I'm not sure I can handle Pokemon.
1: Not the intro. I don't want. I want to hear. I'll, <laughs> I'll mute the intro. Anyway,
0: I'll have to, oh God, yeah, this is pretty much just like a
1: regular setup, like you know, kaiju monster movie. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just. I just kind of got. I was like, oh, okay, this is a boring introduction. When are we gonna see the characters? This is too long. Wrap it up. <laughs> Oscar music starts playing in the background.
0: You know, uh, the company that I was thinking that Sandy Frank always worked with was, uh, it's going to be hard to say correctly, die D-A-I-E-I, Die-ie. <laughs> uh, they're the ones that did all the Gamera movies and a whole bunch of other stuff. Most of these movies are now public domain because either he didn't renew the licenses or he didn't know how to do them properly.
1: Oh, wow. Know. Is that Casey Kasem?
0: Yeah, Casey Kasem did the American release. Uh, I was looking at this. Uh, This wasn't picked up by Sandy Frank until after Star Wars had come out because I know this is from like 72 or 73. And uh, so it took a while to catch on and then re-edit the crap out of this.
1: Oh, wow. Very, very slow transformation process. Like if he were to transform in the middle of battle, he would die. He would be gunned down.
0: (laughs) So, oh, uh, wow, okay. Gacha, there were 105 Gotchaman episodes, but after Sandy Frank, you know, chopped up and re-edited and added uh, bits and pieces of new animation here and there, there's only 85 episodes actually for the American release. So, I wonder if there is, I mean, there has to be a uh, complete Gotchaman out there available somewhere.
1: Probably. I'm not sure, but all I know is, oh, who's he actually, who's the robot actually talking to when he's doing all these introductions?
0: I have no idea. Us?
1: <laughs> I mean, I I know I guess some I, cartoons would break the fourth wall and talk to the audience, but I thought that was like before and after the episodes, not during. Oh yeah. I think this robot's going. I think this robot's losing his mind.
0: They're already showing. <laughs> what, what's the time, what's the time code on yours? I'm at six forty because I feel like he, he, we're not on the same page.
1: Oh, did you push pause? No, no.
0: Oh I'm yeah, just, I'm, I'm at. Just, okay, go ahead. Uh, I'm at 7.05. 7.05, okay. You're about seven seconds ahead of me because I'm like, I haven't seen this yet. <laughs> uh, I'm in the future. That, that, that's my fault. You're in the future. Tell me, <laughs> what, what is it I'm like in
1: the future? seven seconds in the future. Yeah, seven seconds in the future. <laughs> Michael, don't, don't, don't worry about the glass bottle. Just don't touch it. Don't move your hand right now. <laughs>
2: okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I was looking up the theme song because I actually quite enjoy the theme song even though it's obviously very disco-y. Um, so the music is done by Hoyt Curtin, and I looked up, and he's done the music for Flintstones, Top Cat, The Jetsons, Johnny Quest, Super Friends, Juicy and the Pussycats, The Smurfs, and the new Scooby-Doo movies. I got wow. a little excited there. Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. He's got quite the repertoire, man.
0: Repertoire.
1: Okay, what, can you tell me, like, what was the idea, what do you think the, uh, the idea was this, of this was for?
0: Um, I have to look this up because, well, the show has changed a bit since there was American re edit. So, uh, I'm solely looking up Battle of the Planets right now. Uh, it doesn't give me the influences. Let me check out Gachaman and see if it'll tell me where this came from. I mean, I know. The cool part, though, I think, is that the Japanese market tends to be more original than American. At least that's in my opinion. I always feel like, uh,. That we're always doing derivatives, especially around the late 70s, early 80s. just seemed like, oh, we're doing a Happy Days cartoon? Why? You know, oh, Laverne Shirl- Gilligan's Planet, why are we doing this again? Or, uh, you know, it's based on old pulp novels, like there's a ton of Flash Gordon and Tarzan cartoons. Oh,
1: yeah. Um, wow, Jason, sound- I think Jason's the dark one of the group. I mean, just look but, at him.
0: Yeah. He's the emo one of the group. He's just a very ferocious
1: and vicious one who'll do anything it takes. He's like the black sheep. And then Kiyu, the other guy with the little ping pong bottle, it's like god he just seems kind of not detrimental, but he just there's not really much they just don't really give much to him. He's just that little dumb comic relief.
0: Um while I'm here, uh, before I Try to figure out where the origins of this came from. I was looking this up, and the the series was so successful that they did two sequels and an animated film. Now, here's the weird thing: is we already knew what Battle of the Planets was, we knew what G Force was, and in fact, by this time, by the 90s, Gotchman was probably starting to come into American household holds. I don't understand why it is that they took the two Gotchman series and they re-edited them and turned into a series in America called Eagle Riders. Have you ever even heard of Eagle Riders?
1: No, I would just, I mean, I I would come across this like late at night, like a couple times, and I was like, oh, it's like this bird version of Power Rangers.
0: I just don't understand why not just call it Gotchman or not. Why not license the name Battle of the Planets? That's just dumb.
1: I don't know. As far as Battle of the Planets goes, I was like, I don't know. You'd think it'd be more uh, planetary, like interplanetary war. Right,
0: right. That's what it sounds like to me, but this.
1: This just sounds like this these one guys come to invade and just steal resources and technology. And then there's these other then there's the, like the special bird force that takes them out like power rangers.
0: Now, to be fair, the Battle of Planets might be because it was licensed later and the title has changed. Gatchaman, I don't know what Gatchaman means cuz I'm a schmuck and I don't know uh, Japanese at all. Um, but I feel this is probably a closer title to what was going on. Battle of Planets does make it sound like Star Wars. I mean, but it doesn't, I don't know, I feel like you're kind of duped a little bit by that name. But that's, that's solely yeah, Sadie yeah. Frank's call.
1: I was expecting something else entirely. Yeah. I was betrayed.
0: <laughs> uh, there was another Gatchaman movie that was being produced by the guys who did the Astro Boy movie. You know, the one with Nicolas Cage?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was
0: in pre-production, but then Astro Boy bombed. Imagine Studios studio shut down, so no Gatchaman movie.
1: Oh... Good. actually that's kind of a good thing because I mean as far as this cartoon goes I'm really not that into it I'm sorry I no, just don't I know mean, what like.
0: I, I think our second cartoon uh, Robotech is a lot better but I still find it interesting it's, it's definitely important for a timepiece it's it's a way of creating uh, for me I love kaiju and I also love uh space you know like uh, intergalactic kind of battles so this finds a weird medium even though they don't actually go out to outer space at least not yet but I kind of like it but i do hate that that okay i also hate the guy who does a blip 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 talk was it and i was like why Jin the heck Jin jinpai Jin i think it is
1: yeah no they're pretty that, that guy is pretty much just sounds like a joke and jason's just really psychotic and evil yeah,
0: that's weird did you just notice there's ken and ryu the character's names are ken and ryu
1: oh uh Just uh-huh. like in street fighter hey yeah. i mean, slightly spot hello there
0: yeah what if that's an influence
1: yeah i know they're both negative influences. okay why do you have to make a short Asian kid, like, speaking beeps and boops, like, freaking R2-D2? That's so stupid. Oh, my God. That's so demeaning.
0: I really hate it. You think maybe he got a head injury and they just keep him on the team? It's like, oh, he's just our mascot. How does he Pretty function? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, uh, how does he function in the field? Does he have these? Oh, maybe he has Tourette's. Oh, I feel terrible. I now. don't know,
1: but he was just, like, bouncing these <laughs> little, uh, these little toys around a second ago. Yeah.
0: Well, i just it's like, wonder okay. if you're ever in the middle of battle and they need him to communicate properly and it becomes a serious issue. Like we're all gonna die if you don't focus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Oh god, he's like he's he's pretty much the uh, what's the word? He's the Achilles heel of the team.
0: Yeah. Oh, you know what? That's why the stupid names. In the '70s, when Sandy Frank edited, it it was Battle of the Planets. But there is G Force, is what we grew up on. It aired uh, for like eight years on TNT or on TBS. Wow. Yeah, so we probably watched it when it was, uh, you know, a whole different... I'm not going to look this up because I'm curious. GeForce, Guardians of Space, I wonder who the voice actors were. They did change the voice cast. That's crazy. Oh, wow. The, the, uh, it's the same exact cartoon, different edits, but Casey Kasem and the whole cast is not in the version that we saw. Or if oh, wow. Remember, yeah. So that's crazy. I do remember.
1: I think one of them... Yeah, no, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like what they did with um, Dragon Ball Z. They went through so many English edits that they all had different voice actors. I think halfway past, uh, like halfway through the fr- uh, Frieza saga, that's when they changed it.
0: Okay, yeah, so here it is. It's still 85 episodes, so it still means there's heavily editing. So uh, I still wonder what happened to all those lost episodes. But TBS decided that they thought there was a new audience available for anime. So they teamed up with Sandy Frank, they licensed it from him, and they decided to do a more faithful translation of the original shows I don't know how that's possible when they still cut out so many episodes. But, uh, yeah, it's very strange that, this, that they would go through the whole process of recasting. But I guess if they re-edit, they're going to have to change the voices.
1: Yep. Oh, my gosh. I have to – This okay, this is definitely kind of like Death Star. Dun, Death Star dun, moment. Dun, 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 and they're being like a – yeah, like in the first movie when the tractor beam gets them. Yeah. Shoot him. Shoot him. Just shoot him. He's like charger banks of the group.
0: Oh, no. Don't even. Oh, God. I was even thinking about that. I call this the C- uh, C-3PO rule. I don't blame R2-D2. He's not part of the problem. C-3PO is kind of a, a whiny, complainy, oh. And uh, it was like a trend in, in sci-fi and fantasy to have that character that was kind of like clumsy and goofy. Or then, of course, they screwed the pooch with the Ewoks. I know people love the Ewoks. They are adorable. Okay, I like the Ewoks on their own. Did you ever see the Ewoks movies that they had on TV, or the cartoon? Yes, I did.
1: In that, yes, I did. I I watched the Haunted Village.
0: Yeah, I don't mind those, but I do get bothered in the middle of Return of the Jedi when I'm taken over by friggin' Ewoks, fuzzy bears. I actually would have preferred (laughs) Fozzie the bear to come in, going waka (laughs) waka.
1: Well, Disney owns both of them now, yeah. so hey. It, oh you my just god! Might see it.
0: What if they re-edited uh, Return of the Jedi and threw in the Muppets instead? <laughs> like uh, with Leia, Le- instead of it being wicked that it was Animal, and just said, uh, drums, and he just starts like hey, pulling around hey. her boobies. Just blah, 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 blah. Oh, man,
1: my <laughs> man. You yeah, know. Okay. Yeah, uh, this villain here who uh, takes like this lion persona. Or this cat persona? I guess cats and birds are mortal enemies.
0: Yeah, as it should be.
1: Of course, I get, Oh yeah. Oh so yeah. So that makes sense in the design. So I'm guessing like those are bird. Those people are the bird planet inhabitants, and then there's a cat battle and in inhabitants.
0: There's octopus.
1: And yet, it looks like he's serving a giant crow, inter, like kind of like a Galactus entity.
0: It's very creative at the same time, slightly confusing because it's uh well, it's kind of weird.
1: it is I come. so I mean uh, okay, honest to be quite honest I don't I can't really get into this cartoon.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm,
1: just, I'm trying, I tried <laughs> I did my best.
0: well you know we 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 fail sometimes we uh we try to check out every cartoon imaginable over this whole series, you know, bouncing decades, bouncing genres and stuff like that. Right. So, yeah, this one, I feel like I watched this as a kid, or at least I, maybe I read a comic book of it. But like uh, we discussed before, like during the Voltron episode, uh, I didn't get anime when I was a little kid until much, much later. I wasn't raised on it. Let's just say that it was not available. And it wasn't until like the cartoon network really started like bringing out everything they could, you know, give full exposure to every type of cartoon that I was like, oh, well, this is interesting. Like, I love Cowboy Bebop. and uh, Oh, Yeah. Uh, there's one that I'll oh, google her I really enjoy. I like the more mature ones or the ones that are kind of offbeat um, It's gonna be really h- rough if we're ever to the point where we are discussing Dragon Ball and Pokemon Because I could never understand a damn thing that was going on <laughs> at all
1: I know it was quite they were quite goofy They were quite ridiculous and pretty much cartoons in themselves by having so many quirky moments Yeah, okay. Oh, no hurry hurry geforce
0: fly <laughs> Fly, fly. You know, I remember uh, the, uh, uh. they were talking about bringing this back for the comic books. I think about fifteen years ago, and Alex Ross did a bunch of paint for or a bunch of uh, covers for it. It was really I actually beautiful. Saw some I saw that yeah, they actually put it on some of the DVD sets when it was actually Gotchaman.
1: Oh, awesome! Yeah, dude, Alex. Well, Alex Ross does a fine job. I mean, God, all his drawings look so realistic. Like he actually, I think he actually gets models, takes pictures of them, and then he does the drawing.
0: Right. It's, I've seen his setup, a lot of times he's just, you know, taking photos and going for photorealism, uh, which I, it's a little bit of a cheat, but I honestly don't understand how an artist could really get that realistic without a photo reference.
1: Oh, I know. It's, I know, it's really intense, especially when you watch the, when you read his, the, uh, Kingdom Come series.
0: Oh my God. You know, I remember the very first time I saw him, a friend of mine had one of his Terminator comic books, and he hadn't really put down his style yet. Like, you knew it was like, oh, this is something incredible. But uh, you got the feeling that you're looking at something just a little bit better than uh, the Now Comics was kind of a low-end company, and they usually had, like, kind of subpar art. And uh, I remember reading that going, oh, this is actually pretty interesting. And then I caught uh, Marvels. Marvels, I think it was where it's uh, off of the viewpoint of the normal person in the Marvel Universe, and then Kingdom Come, of course, being his masterpiece. Got it. I'm kind of bummed that he only does covers now. Like, you see a lot of the stuff he does. Like, he did the Flash Gordon cover for the reissue. He did this, the the Gotchaman, And he does a bunch of stuff for Dynamite Comics, but I kind of want to see him do some interiors again. Oh, wow. I heard that he did one, though. I haven't read it yet, but uh, Dynamite has the rights to uh, Green Hornet's, I think the Phantom, the Shadow, and a couple other characters. And there's a series called Masks, where all these guys get together, like the Avengers kind of team, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. he, does, he does all the artwork for it. I just gotta find it. I don't like this voice. That's the robot, right? Yeah. I have my TV tuned down.
1: Yeah, no, I just don't like this. I just don't like this cartoon. I'm not. I'm not really hooked into it. Oh, I'm
2: sorry.
1: I think this robot's going senile. Yeah. <laughs> he is talking Although, to us, correct? <laughs> I think so. Yes, he is. But, but I think the cartoon and the cart, the card the other cartoons, like the entire G Force, would look at him and go, "What's
0: this robot's problem? Yeah. Who's he talking?" I'm just waiting for someone to go. When did he get here? I, who is this? That's <laughs> uh, my <laughs> crazy old robot. I can't put him out of his misery. I'm sorry.
1: I know. It's like he's an inheritance, and it's part of the will that I was not to dismantle him. <laughs> I don't know why. I just want to. Uh, it's just not fair.
0: All right, I think we're done with Battle of the Planets. It's wrapping up right now. We're going to take a brief break and we'll come back with Robotech.
1: Yes, please. Thank you. Finally, the good cartoon. <laughs> Last off.
0: welcome back to back in tunes uh we just listened to the robotech theme song that one's rather long so i figured we should probably cut that short that's a really long theme song too what up with that anime just really have long theme songs or something
1: plus they show a lot of really cool action scenes oh man i loved it i just loved how that like the main uh robot just coming in just like just fucking just fucking shit up kicking all their alien ass oh man
0: All right, so Robotech, uh, this is one that I always heard about, but it was never available anywhere I lived. The only way you could ever get episodes is if you paid like 30 bucks for two episodes. There was a time, people, before YouTube and streaming and even DVDs, where there was always in the back of your magazine, like comic books or whatever, and uh, it was always like uh, bootleg DVDs or really hard to find imports, and then, of course, back issues. You know, like, six issue, uh, six bucks for whatever issue you know, just came out because it was so hard to find back issues back then. But uh, you see Robotech, and it'd be like two episodes, nineteen ninety nine plus shipping and handling. And you're like, I'm eight. I cannot afford that. So I never got to see Robotech. And somehow, time has just gone on. I've seen some of the shittiest cartoons in history. I've never seen Robotech until this week. I'm really right. ashamed. I'm really embarrassed because I've been told by my friends I need to see this. That it's amazing, and I just never got around to it, and I, and I regret it because this is badass.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. They actually had for the longest time. They actually had the entire Macross saga on Netflix, but now they've released it on like a Blu-ray big uh, and DVD uh, collection, which I believe would be it would be awesome to have if only I could afford it.
0: Well, I mean, yes. I could, maybe S- when I'm a, <laughs> Somebody's birthday just happened, people. Listen, donate to your favorite hosts.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, it did. And you sent me such wonderful gifts. I was actually reading Rawhide Kid yeah. a little while ago. It's hilarious, oh, isn't oh, yeah. it? Yeah, it is. It's quite hilarious. It's great, but it's so awesome at the same time. It's it great, is. Okay, Thomas.
0: so uh, for a segue here, Ron Zimmerman wrote for my favorite... Uh, okay, everybody says Freaks and Geeks is the greatest one season wonder it is it's truly amazing but there's something about action with jay moore it lasted 13 episodes it is perfect the entire story arc is started and completed whereas and geeks was kind of like just every week there was something new you know and then uh it could go on forever and ever there was a full arc for action you have to see this it's so funny it's filthy as hell it is brilliant and it got canceled because they put it on against friends but Ron Zimmerman, oh. the guy who wrote Rawhide Kid, uh, was one of the main writers on action.
1: Oh, it's awesome. That's good to know. i have to look that up later. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's let's yep. get back to giant robots all right, and sorry aliens.
0: about that. We do segues all the time. <laughs> uh, Robotech, right. this is, I know nothing about this series. I only have seen this first episode, and I just watched it yesterday, and I was like, we got to talk about this right now. So here we go with the first episode. Hit play.
1: Indeed. All right. So yeah, honestly, I mean, I know nothing about the production company of it all. I just remember watching it as a kid and just being so like sucked into this world. of, uh, you know, these people in these giant like fighter planes that can in transform into robots and little hybrid in betweens. And I kid you not, I it, it is it's just so awesome. The anime and you know, it being anime, I was like a picky anime person. Yeah. And it was giant robots, and it also involved some really cool aerial battles.
0: Seriously, you, know, you give uh, me robots, I'm almost always there. I don't uh, even GoBots. I'm, i you at least have my interest for a little while,
1: right? However, I was just like I said. I just really got sucked in. I just watched. I mean, the first time it, I was up late at night. There were some late cartoons on. I think it was Adult Swim or Cartoon Network, either or. They, I mean, wait, they run. They have. They run in the same network. What am I talking about? Anyway, so I start watching this, and I'm like, oh, cool. What's this? And you know, my mom was cool enough to. Allow me to stay up so I can watch it. Yeah. Whenever it's on, even though like if uh, there would be, it'd be rare on a school night. But even, but you know I managed to sneak it, sneak in and watch a few episodes when she didn't know. But yeah, no, I just I thought like you know it was a great story, as you can tell from just from the intro. You know a, a spaceship crash lands onto Earth, and that spaceship pretty much got the governments of the world thinking like oh crap. They're alien invaders. We have to ally. We may not like each other. We might learn to like each other later. But we have to ally to stand against this common threat. And it all happened on this uh, island called Macross Island. Yeah. And, of course, this was just the, fr- the start of it. From the macro, you know, from here, about this giant ship, which they call the Space Defense Fortress, or SDF-1 for short. And, you know, it was about this, it was about this uh, saga in particular, the Macross Saga. And then it would eventually go on to the robotech masters and then it would go on to another one i can't remember the name of because i just because i was so in love with the macross saga
0: sorry Plus, i'm caught in watching this it's, it's so entertaining that i forget that i'm doing an episode i know <laughs> oh, oh crap all right i'm looking However, at the company harmony gold um not a whole lot of stuff came out from them they did the robotech series but uh, they kind of had a lot of bombs and they lost a bunch of their people to Saban Entertainment. They, In fact, all they had left was Robotech, and in fact, they weren't even taking care of that property. It got to the point where they had to license it out to other companies to save it. So the company's still in business, but I think they're just like trudging along while other people are taking care of Robotech.
1: Fucking Saban. Remember the Power Rangers bullshit?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, know. And so, like... I thought at first, like, oh, you know, the old guy's an old guy's the main character. He's an admiral, but no, he's just the guy. He's just the guy. He's just the teacher, but he's very humble. He's like, okay, final wave. He's just doing his job. You know, the, glo- the whole global war is done. Nobody's at war with each other. They're all united. Everybody's happy, and of course, it takes place what two thousand one? Yeah, that's a lie. That did not happen. That did
2: not
0: <laughs> happen <laughs> years ago. I love that in futuristic movies. You're like in the year nineteen ninety seven. You're like that. That was. Well, that was a long time ago. That never happened.
1: Sadly, no, it didn't. I'm looking up... It's not even an alternate universe.
0: There's something funny here. I'm looking up the movies that Harmony Gold made. And in 1976, they made a movie called Queen Kong, which is supposed to be a spoof of King Kong. But (laughs) it it, it was made by a British company as well as Harmony Gold. But yet, it was never released in England because Dino De Laurentiis, the producer of King Kong, sued them. uh, So it barely got released in Italy and Germany, and that was it. But here's the thing: is that Dino De Laurentiis never even owned the rights to King Kong before he remade it. So he he punished this company for making a spoof, which is legal. You're allowed to parody; it's a, a, a your legal right to do any sort of, well, maybe in America. But freedom of speech when it comes to parody, I thought was pretty much you know everywhere, except for like communist countries. And yet, for some reason, this movie doesn't really exist because they they, they forced it away. That's bullshit.
1: Right. <laughs> I- I'll have to say, yeah, this is like some of the coolest animation, like even for like the eighties. Yeah. When it came out. I love looking at it. I mean, it's just so bright, so colorful, it's so clean. Where so did they get so renewable fresh, air so sources. Fresh. And what I wanted to mention earlier, one of the bridge mates, uh, the one who, the, the woman of color, like just mentioned she was dating this guy right here, Roy Foker. I was like, Oh my god, they were introducing uh, you know you know <clears throat> interracial couples. I'm like, that's such a huge thing. I mean, yeah, this is definitely like in the future. Right. Or any, like, future principalities. It's like, yeah, no, dude, it's inevitable. Like, yeah, plus the whole, and even the whole concept of a global Earth uh, government. All for the betterment of mankind. But just as long as they're not Nazis about it.
0: It's so beautiful, dude. I I can't stop watching. It's amazing.
1: I don't blame you. It's, like, tough to talk about while we're trying to watch this awesome cartoon at the same time.
0: I have a visual erection.
1: (laughs) Have a visual erection, it just arouses your senses. It's gone now, it's gone now. Right, You're gonna
0: be your pulling out the Hitchcock. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah.
2: Uh. All
1: right. like, yeah, sometimes the next commentary I do when I break out in a voice, I'm just gonna yell at the character, be like, no, damn it, droopy,
2: go home.
0: Uh, the titles by Harmony Gold that were in the animation world was uh, Robotech. Captain Harlock, which I've heard of for some reason. I guess it was on for a while. Uh, Dragon Ball. But only a handful ah, of Dragon episodes. Ball. Yeah, the Re Lensman. Oh, my God, I forgot about Lensman. I used to remember that. I actually think I might have seen that as a kid. I don't know what this is, but Time Fighters in the Land of Fantasy sounds like a badass title. Right. It doesn't look badass.
1: I know i have to say though like there's some interesting characteristics like you can tell these two have history they probably flew together during the whole global war panop yeah. uh epidemic and then and i love how they're like trying to discuss the technology of these planes due to the uh, you know technology they gathered from the sdf1 but hey you know it also just shows hey even without a, even so even without a great pilot you know any of those ships could be taken down yeah yeah, and he's also got Rick Hunter like being like a you know, pacifist kind of pilot. Super, oh, wow. Super Dimension cool Fortress
0: Macross. That's a big title. They, they have really long titles for a lot of these anime.
1: Yeah. And, it's, of course, based off Robo... And, you know, they ended up calling it Robotech based off the Robo technology they discovered. Uh-oh, hyperspace. Intergalactic trippy. Trip out.
0: I'm looking at, okay, so this one is set in, wait, the Macross Saga is from 1999 to 2014, then Robotech 2 is 2022, 2027. Oh, Robotech the movie, I remember that was in theaters uh, for like a week where I lived. I think it ended up on VHS. I'm really surprised I haven't seen it until now, though. I didn't know that Robotech is still going. Uh, there was a series in
1: 2006. There are also some video games uh that came out for uh, gamecube xbox and playstation and i kid you not uh battle cry the one the first one yeah. you actually get to fly a, robo- <gasps> a robot. <laughs> is that uh, the title yeah. right there mm-hmm. excuse yeah i know hiccup it was an excitement hiccup we actually get to fly those Swedish planes and it did take place from like a character that was around like it, the character it was a spin-off character uh that took place during the Macross saga and a little bit beyond and it was also voiced by one of the actors who was one of the most known characters in this cartoon, Max, uh, Cam Clark. He was the voice of the uh, main character in the video game.
0: Why do I know that name?
1: Cam Clark, he's been in everything. Uh, let's see, he was, in, he was the voice of Leonardo in the, Ninja Tur- the original Ninja Turtles. Oh,
0: okay, okay.
1: He voiced pretty much almost every character in every video game. One of the busiest voice actors. He was also the, one of the dummy bears in uh, Eek the Cat.
0: Oh god, I want to discuss Eat the Cat so bad.
1: We do. We have to discuss Eat the Cat when we get the chance. And um also, yeah, like I said, this guy he was I mean, they uh managed to get like a lot of the veteran actors from the cartoon into this video game, which also which I think had a real authenticity to it. And uh-oh, uh-oh. This I thought was pretty cool where this giant defense fortress just sh- just transforms into this giant robot after shooting a big old laser blast, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that pretty much could have decimated all sea life right there
0: uh, Harmony Gold started to do a Kickstarter to get Robotech relaunched as Robotech Academy oh
1: that would be awesome to watch
0: and then, here's the thing though the, they all they needed to raise was $500,000 to do a 24 minute pilot episode damn that's cheap even now that is insanely cheap uh, somehow though crowdfunding only got $194,000 You can get a measly half a million dollars for an animated episode. That's bad. I know. Oh, Warner Brothers owns the rights? Oh my god, Tobey Maguire has the licensing rights for film. That's crazy. He's producing the film with Warner Brothers through Maguire Entertainment.
1: Wow. You think he might be able to play? I don't know. I could see him playing Rick Hunter.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: I could definitely see him playing Rick Hunter. I'm not going to lie about that. I think he'd do pretty good. Uh-oh.
0: No, shit. Hold on going a second. Uh, Tobey Maguire has stepped aside, and they offered the role two years ago to Leonardo DiCaprio, who has not said yes or no, but he's still interested. Wow. He's getting uh, rather old, though, isn't he?
1: Leo, yeah, but he doesn't look it. He looks the same. He does not age. I swear, he does not age at all. He has good genetics. That's Italian genetics right
0: there. Yeah, so right now they have James Wan attached to direct it. You know, the guy who did the last Furious movie, Furious 7. Oh, my God. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, but he's doing uh, Aquaman right now. So I, I don't like that. Okay, there's this thing in, in Hollywood where they do it with actors, too. If anybody has any sort of heat on them, all of a sudden they're attached to 12 projects. Will you know that they're not going to do all 12 of those, so most of those will fall by the wayside within a year or two, and then they just end up abandoned. Do you remember when John Wu was attached to He-Man? Yes. You know, and that never yeah. happened, but he also attached himself to, like, Spy Hunter and a couple other projects all at once. I think these uh, these guys, I hate to say it, but I think these guys are kind of con artists. They, they get attached to a project, which means they get a paycheck. It's like a holding deal. So they just collect, like, go, oh, I'll just work on this for a couple months for $250,000 and then walk away. It's just, it's irritating. Because you don't know if it'll ever yeah, just, happen. Plus,
1: you need to put some like real uh, artistic creativity and effort, too, to so many of these projects. You can't just focus on a million at once. You have to focus on one in order to get some real, in order to you know sell the real thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, but uh, then uh, there is the thing you have to take their side on the fact that a lot of people get attached to a project. It never happens. and They look around, and they haven't made a movie in six years, and they're like, shit, I'm no longer even in demand anymore. So now I have to go hunt for a job.
1: Right, I have to say, okay, I have to say this about um, about the villain design. I'm, really, I don't know. I thought that was, yeah, they're your typical like green aliens, but I don't know. I for some reason I just want to say they're based off Russians. I mean, you know, this is the '80s, the whole Cold War thing. Yeah, maybe, and this threat. Maybe oh, some God. people always tried to perceive the Russians as a threat to global peace, when in reality it kind of wasn't. the
0: animation on this is so exquisite the special effects are just i mean i know animation is special effects but oh my god the way they did this oh i'm gonna cream it plus there's always
1: so many unique characters to watch
0: too (laughs) Uh, i was looking up i do remember this being a comic book there was a company called comico which had the rights to robotech johnny quest and they also are responsible for grendel have you ever heard of that one no Uh, i think i have he kind of looks like Deadpool. He's just all black and white, uh, and he's kind of an assassin, but he's a villain. He is truly a villain. And uh, it came from that company, but Comico went out of business in 1990 and lost the rights to the Robotech.
1: I'm not surprised.
0: But Jim Lee's company picked it up for three years. That's the last time it was in the comic book form, at least here in America. Oh, wow. Okay, so uh, I, ha- yeah, sorry. I have a fast. I'm a little distracted. That- oh, yeah. I'll <laughs> sorry. go ahead and talk. Uh, I have a fascination. I want to see this uh, RoboTech the movie, which takes place after this first run of series. Um, RoboTech the movie fascinates me because it comes from one of the greatest slash worst film distributors in the world, it Canon Films. They're the ones who did like Cobra, Masters of the Universe, Over the Top, Delta Force, yeah. a bunch of Chuck Norris, a bunch of Charles Bronson. But they decided they wanted to get into the animation world because all um okay Care Bears the movie was the first like TV to film translation where it's like oh we watch this every week and that will turn into a movie and it was a huge hit it cost like a million dollars and it made like 50 million worldwide or something like that so all of a sudden every small company in the business was licensing all these movies you know that we had the Transformers movie go he man gi joe and uh so they licensed robotech and they managed to massively fuck it up I, it's ridiculous if you look up the history of this movie and what canon films did to it Oh my god. It's like they saw the rough cut and uh you know after he spent all this time he's like, "Oh no, 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 you're going to change all this." So they had to have him remove tons and tons of footage from the movie already. And then they said, "Uh we need you to have a new script and a new edit ready in 24 hours." I, I What? That's, that's ins- 24 hours, not 24 weeks, not 24 days, 24 hours. He had to come with a new script and a new edit. And then the new scenes he had to act out by himself in front of Golan Globus. G- Golan, Go- I can't say their name, but you know. Golan he- Globus. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so from that, him acting it out is what they agreed to. So it was produced. It was finished. It was uh, still really, really edited to death to the point where it didn't make much sense. But they uh, opened it up in limited release, and they saw that it was only being attended by adults. And said, ah, you know what, we're aiming at kids here, so we're pulling out. We're we're taking it out of theaters and throwing it on video. That's stupid. If it found an audience, it found an audience. What do they care if it's adults or children?
1: Wow. now yeah, it's a shame. Honestly, yeah, this I think this series in particular deserves much more praise than it has received. And I hopefully a live action movie would be would be in the works.
0: Yeah, Just like this, what they're doing with a Good.
1: I'm, This one I keep hearing about called Attack on Titan, I mean, it's getting a live-action film.
0: Yeah, well, isn't there something on... Oh, wait, is that an animated series? I thought that was a video game. I think it was a video
1: game, and then it became an animated series.
0: No. Yeah, because, what was it, Hector was saying something about that a year ago, and I was like, what is Attack on Titan? And I was like, oh, I gotta know, I gotta see what this is.
1: Yeah, plus I like it some of the characters that i have introduced here like you know rick hunter roy Foker, and the, the entire crew of the stf1 there's always so much depth to them they're all fun and entertaining to look at and watch and now we get to find them like see, finally see them transform i thought the animation was done perfectly on this one
0: yeah here's the weird thing this happens a lot in in the anime series is that they'll take them and edit them to death to make sense in america but I've never understood how it is that they take three different series and cut them up to make one series. Because, now we talked about Robotech coming from Super Dimension Fortress Macross, but it also comes from two other shows, Super Dimensional Calvary Southern Cross. That is too long of a name, by the way. That's insanely long. And then Genesis Climber Most Peta. How is that? Oh, I don't understand that at all.
1: They just like their titles. Who knows? They probably get paid word for word. Yeah, but they combined, <laughs> they
0: combined all three shows into one, and they're not even related in any way. So how do you make something so badass and awesome? Because we're not just talking about the animation. I actually enjoy the plot line. I just don't know how to... It's like taking... Okay, so it's as if someone had said, Okay, take Friends, Seinfeld, and Frasier. Now cut them up and make one show out of it. They wouldn't make any sense.
1: Not at all, no. But honestly... For first timers, I hope you all get sucked in just as much as we did. I mean, I kid you not, this makes you just want to fly planes. It's the only motivation I need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah,
0: but I, I want know. a plane yeah. that changes it to a robot. Now, <laughs> I remember, I don't know if I saw it in a parody or something a friend of mine said is, you remember when, uh... oh no, no, it was in Transformers, a movie. Do you remember when, uh... Uh, what's the little boy in that movie? You know his dad gets uh, Spike gets kidnapped or whatever, but his, his son, he uh, he's in a little robot costume and he changes. Well, it's full body. How is his body and organs not twisted and maimed and just gore or mess
1: and crushed and yeah, stabbed?
0: Horrifying. bloody. I just thought about that. Yeah, I, I don't like, know. What if you're what if you're inside one of those machines that transforms and all of a sudden you're like, wait, I'm not the right person. <laughs> <No! laughs>
1: Yeah, I know that. Yeah, that was pretty weird. Wasn't it? <laughs> uh Oh man. I, I, th-
0: this was kind of a trend at the time as there was tons of these like combining transforming robot shows. I'm okay with Voltron. I thought it was pretty entertaining, but this right here, this one wins. This is up here with Transformers in my opinion.
1: Yeah, that and Gundam. These ones are my, those two are my favorite mecha.
0: I have not seen Gundam. Is that, okay. is, that is that in a future episode? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, you got to give me some more of this stuff because you were able to see this as a child, so you know more about it. I never got to experience any of this. Um, besides Appleseed, I never really got into anime, but doing this show, it's got me really interested. I know. All right, everybody, um, so I think I think we're done with uh, this episode, Robotech Battle of the Planets. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I hope nobody loses their mind. Like, how dare he never see this, Philistine?
1: I know it's never too late. Just like for Darth Vader, it was never too late, man. No! no. (laughs) Oh, don't mention that scene. (laughs)
2: Everything Uh, was
1: all sad. He felt sorry for (laughs) Darth Vader, and then bam, he says it like that, and everything. I just laughed my ass off when that happened.
0: I (laughs) always wonder, because, okay, so there's two different no's. There's uh, James Earl Jones at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, where it's real passionate. No! But then there's another point at the end of Return of the Jedi where it's re-edited. You know know when they add all that uh, audio footage or whatever of him throwing the Emperor down the fire pit? And he's like, no, no. It almost makes you think that uh, somebody was on the phone line with James Earl Jones. And they're like, so, James, we need you to come in and uh, we're going to re-edit Return of the Jedi and have you say some more stuff. He's like, what? No. No. No, no! And they're like, keep it, we got it. Haha, fooled you!
1: <laughs> Asshole. That's, no, that's because. Totally ruined the
0: scene. Good is stupid. <laughs> what, is it? what is he saying, Spaceball? It's like, evil is. Ah, never mind. Evil will always triumph. Because yes! Good. Is dumb. <laughs> you have a better memory for this stuff. I think it's ridiculous the stuff I do remember, and the stuff that you remember is much more useful to this. <laughs> I
1: watched that a lot as a kid. <laughs> so oh, did I, but I didn't remember.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, any last things you want to say about these two cartoons? I uh,
1: highly recommend Robotech over Battle of the Planets slash G Four slash whatever fucking name it's called. <laughs> no, I would highly recommend Robotech. It's like,
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, if uh, just try to compare it to uh like Budweiser. You know, if Budweiser is the king of beard That's what Robotech is, and Battle of the Planets is Bud Light, which is the pe- This
0: poor peasant version of Oh, wow. Ah, (laughs) Strong words. Uh, I like both, but yes, Robotech is far superior. Um, And that is it for us here at Back in Tunes. Check us out on Facebook. We have a page set up with all of our episodes. And uh, if you have any suggestions for cartoons you want us to cover, or, you know, hell, every once in a while, we'll take a guest. If you want to be a guest on here, why not? As long as you're not like, you know... uh, uh, I hate black people. But this cartoon is awesome. We we're like, oh, you gotta go, buddy. You gotta go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, right. So that's it. I hope that last <laughs> one didn't like make anybody uncomfortable. I think it made me a little uncomfortable. I apologize. Well,
1: you are, yeah, no, you're, you you're know, insane. Mike. You
0: know, I had a point. I had a point. <laughs>
1: Michael, you're losing your, you're, you're, you're going insane. I am. I may have to keep,
0: go.ing I, I, may have to I have an apartment there. I live there. I, I love it. The weather is fine, <laughs> actually. <laughs> all right everybody good night
1: right, everybody good night namaste and good luck all right later everybody jacob signing off Be sure to tip your waitress namaste and good luck
3: dragon's lair a fantasy adventure where you become a valiant knight on a quest to rescue the fair princess from the clutches of an evil dragon you control the actions of a daring adventurer finding his way through the castle of a dark wizard who has enshrined with treacherous monsters and obstacles. In the mysterious caverns below the castle, your odyssey continues against the awesome forces that oppose your efforts to reach the dragon's lair. Lead on, adventurer. Your quest awaits.
0: Welcome to Back of Tunes, everybody. I'm your host, Michael, my co-host, as always.
1: It is sigh, Sir Jacob, here to slay the dragon and the beast. Where is it? So may we swim in his blood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. This, oh, I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> this isn't that kind of dragon slaying. I'm so used to Game of Thrones and uh, friggin' Hobbit. I'm sorry. Um,
0: anyway. whenever, whenever my uh, erection goes down, I was like, oh, I've slain the dragon. Damn.
1: <laughs> I have nothing better to do. I'm thirty three years old. I don't I'm too young to be married.
0: <laughs> Alright, uh, so this episode's a little <laughs> unusual. We're gonna discuss originally it was going to be uh Dragon's Lair and Space Ace. But then we started discussing how amazing Don Blue's career is and all the great stuff that he's done. So we just started going through everything. Uh we will watch a cartoon, but for the most part we're just gonna this is gonna be like just running the gamut of his career. And also, it's the kickoff of our whole month of video game-oriented cartoons. We've done a few before, like we did Mortal Kombat, and we did Pole Mm -hmm. Position. But this month, we're going to try to dig up whatever we can and discuss it all month long. Because what's coming out next month? Pixel! Wait, is it this month or next month? Actually, I think it's the end of this month, isn't it? Oh,
1: it comes up this month. It's the
0: 24th, I believe. I am stupid. I apologize, everybody. But it depends on when you're listening to this. You could also be like, that came out a year ago, douchebags. What are you doing?
1: Get on the ball. Was
0: that
1: a terrible Russian accent? What were you doing?
0: No, that was Brooklyn. What are you talking about? You fucking douchebags.
1: No, oh. oh, yeah, this is more Brooklyn. I don't know what the fuck you were talking
0: about, man. <laughs> All <laughs> right, so uh, Dragon Slayer. The first four episodes are linked together as if it were a movie, which is kind of cool. Uh, it's up on YouTube from the user Ghetto Bomber. Thank you, Ghetto Bomber, for finding these. We couldn't find Space Ace. They used to be on here. A couple of
2: them. Too. Thank you, Ghetto Bomber.
0: <laughs> um, to be fair, the Space Ace episodes look like shit. And uh, so, oh. if you're ready, Jacob, I'm ready.
1: I am ready, but I did manage to find Space Ace.
0: No kidding. Where?
1: Well, I, well, just the video game Okay.
0: Well, we can do that. That's fine. Um,
1: so it's I think retro. Thing, right? What? started it all? It's what started it all, right?
0: No, Dragon's Lair is first.
1: Okay, of course, yes, Dragon's Lair, and then Space Ace.
0: Correct. All right, everybody, retro rockets are go for Dragon's Lair. All right, all
1: right. All right, like all said, right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, just kind of. Re- I mean, I heard, I kind of looked at it and saw it played on Nickelodeon Arcade growing up as a kid. Yeah. And I. I can tell, like, this is one of the first games that you really test, that really tested your reflex. Um, Oh, rapid response timing.
0: Okay, I am tortured with Dragon's Lair for the rest of my days. Here's the reason. Seven years old, wait, yeah, seven years old, I am at the Holodome. Do you know what a Holodome is? Do tell. Uh, There were about 30 or 40 Holiday Inns that were like super deluxe holiday inns. There was a regular hotel, but in the middle, they had a huge dome, and inside this dome was a massive pool, uh, the biggest hot tub you've ever seen. In fact, their hot tub was so big that it was the size of other hotels' pools. Um, They had uh, putt-putt, they had exercise rooms. I think one of them even had a batting cage. But they also had a line or two of cocaine. I mean, a line or two of arcade games. It was the 80s, so they might have had both.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure someone was on cocaine playing this game. I don't blame them. Jeez. Oh, gosh. Giant spiders, witches, everything just popping out of nowhere. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This, make, this makes Shenmue look like a choir boy.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> as far my as gosh. Shenmue, I love go. Shenmue. That game is awesome. Um, there's actually, a, there's actually a, a
1: Kickstarter for Shenmue 3
0: uh really wow i didn't know that uh dragon slayer though was at this holodome in fort wayne where i lived and here's the funny part is i'm coming out of a pool i am soaking wet and then i'm gonna go play electrically connected video games what the fuck were people thinking i could have been electrocuted
1: (laughs) oh my god yeah no you insane man you brave brave but dumb boy
0: now my (laughs) poison was always star wars arcade it's the sit yeah, oh, down. The old Atari? yeah, it's the cabinet one with the vector graphics. Uh, that's the one that I really got into. Um, I also played the Star Trek like crazy. But um, when Dragon's Lair was put in, it blew everybody away because uh, it was the first fully animated. I mean, everything else was just basically your your normal sixteen bit at most at most sixteen uh, bit game. But this was full animation and. It just boggled the mind. I, I, I didn't know what to do. I couldn't deal with it. So I, in fact, I will admit right now, I saw the game around 83, 84. I did not play this game until 1995.
1: 94, wow. 94. Yeah. I, I'm jealous. I never got to play this game at all. But uh, th- this animation, I could have sworn, this is like watching Sword in the Stone. Tell me more. Like, Who was the animator behind this? Can you okay. tell me more about that, Michael? Uh,
0: so the, uh, the full episode we're discussing here is about Don Bluth. Now, you'll see his animation style in the cartoon, uh, but I don't think it was actually uh, uh, animated by him or designed by him. It just takes the look of the game that he designed. Dragon's Lair, if you watch the Dragon's Lair game, that is movie quality. This is obviously TV quality. It, the, the lines don't look as solid, the colors are a little duller, and the animation doesn't move as well. But it's all due to Don no. Blue. Oh,
1: I know, but I mean, just watching like just watching the actual video gameplay, I'm like, God, this looks like it was an actual movie. Yeah, I it's thought that's what it was.
0: Stunning. Um, it, it, for years, people said they were trying to get a Dragon's Lair game going, but uh, actually, I'll tell you why at the end of this episode why we never saw it because we're gonna go through all of Don Blue's career. Uh, but first, with Dragon's Lair, there were three of these that were um, produced by Cinematronics. They're Laserdisc games. So all the animation is put on this huge Laserdisc. Kids, Laserdiscs were massive uh, size DVDs that were the size of albums, and they were loud as hell when they were playing the machine. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, seriously, they are so, so fucking loud. Uh, it was like a fan going on at all times. So it was like, wah, 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 wah. And it, it seemed cool at the time, but it's irritating. Cool.
1: <laughs> oh, I bet. Oh, gosh. Um, it sounds like a floating device getting... You know getting warmed up the way you just mentioned the noise it would make
0: um so the game is triggered by the the control panel whatever so if you move in a certain direction and the light triggers uh it'll go on to the next scene or it'll go to a death scene uh the thing is is that uh the uh, don booth games are very short if you watch all the animated you're are you watching the cartoon right now? With the boomerang single uh, signal? Symbol? I don't know why I said signal. Symbol in the corner?
1: No, I'm actually I'm watching the actual gameplay.
0: Okay, so the gameplay, you'll notice, it's not that long of a clip. I think it's like 18 minutes of animation. So it's not that long, but man, was it crazy hard. Uh, the first time I played it in 94, um, I dumped my quarters in, and I had no idea what was going on. I just watched the animation, and I died. I was like, what am I doing wrong? I don't even know how to play this game. Um, basically, basically what it is, as the animated scene is playing out, a corner will light and you're supposed to turn your, uh, your joystick in that direction. And you only have like a split second. You'll see it flash. You got to go that direction. Cause if you miss it, it'll go to your death scene. Um, also oh, has yeah. a sword button. Um, and it'll give you a symbol for a sword. You got to hit your sword immediately or you die very, very hard.
1: Yeah, I know. I can tell just from looking at this. I'm like, oh, gosh. I probably wouldn't have... No wonder why it was so so short because most of the rapid response timing flashes are just so quick. Yeah, it's insane. I think people just died so quickly.
0: And it was more expensive than the regular games. This is the first 50-cent game, I think. I mean, not not (laughs)
1: 50-cent, 50-cent. 50-cent. I'm going to take you to the candy shop. He's slaying
0: dragons but talking the whole time like that. It's just... You know, no, you are got a, he's got very large teeth and he can't seem to talk right.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, oh god. One hell of a humanitarian though. I yeah, mean you know what, I what think he's I trying say, to do
0: He doesn't get a lot of credit. He produces a lot of movies too, I should throw that out there.
1: Oh he does. Oh gosh. I mean he's surprised by some of the stuff he produced. Um you know M Eminem is the one who discovered him.
0: Yeah. Um Oh, so I was in Astoria for the Goonies Festival, and I went into the arcade, and they have Dragon's Lair there. You get to play it for free all you want, and the, the reason is, is there is actually a sign on the machine, machine saying, this is a crazy hard game, play it for free, because we feel guilty for charging money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, well, well, they do have quite the sense. It's like, oh no, people are going to be too upset, and they're going to go broke. Seriously. It's going to be worse than drugs.
0: Dude, we played it for free and we were still pissed I go I want my fucking money back I did not even pay anything it's so hard but it's so beautiful
1: oh I know it's just it is it's so fun to watch except there really isn't anything to the characters like he's very silent he's mysterious yeah like yeah we know he needs to save the princess but like what else about him
0: well I love it when he, he meets a creature that scares him he goes oh, <laughs> oh, oh!
1: Yeah, no I saw that earlier with the black knight galloping on his horse and all of a sudden he's like ah! <laughs>
0: Um, this game has been reinterpreted in different ways too. Of course, there's the LaserDisc versions, but there was a version I believe for the Nintendo that was a side scroller, same plot, different look. Of course, the Nintendo couldn't handle these kind of this kind of animation. But uh, oh, of I don't remember it being all that great.
1: Yep. No, I don't think so either. I'm not even sure. I, I could always look it up later, or probably download it on my uh, Super Nintendo emulator. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Um, so how, you, you say, uh, go ahead.
1: how is she so calm and quirky and just adorable about the <laughs>
2: oh,
1: um, You're held hostage by a dragon. He could, be do, he could be trying to do He could have tried to do anything to you. Who knows? This dragon, why would he even kidnap her in the first place?
0: Okay, so the, the video game version of the dragon is totally different than the animated version of the dragon and uh, the voice that he uses in the cartoon, I wish you could hear it because he talks like this he has a very high pitch. you know, come back down. And I, I used to get it. I used to have the impersonation perfect, but I can't do it anymore because I think you blow a lung if you try to do it. I'll have to listen
1: to it in a minute. Yeah, it's yeah. bonkers. No, uh, uh, no, I do love this animation. This reminds me of Black Cauldron,
0: kind of. Yeah, you know, it, it's, Sword and Sorcery was huge in the late 70s, early 80s. That's why you get to see um, – you know, like the Lord of the Rings by Ralph Bakshi was big. You know, you could see Conan the Barbarian. Oh, yeah. uh, Dungeons and Fire Dragons and was huge. Uh, Fire and Ice, totally Fire and Ice. Um, yeah, and uh, the Black Cauldron. So yeah, Soren Sorcery was really hot, and I wish it would come back. Even with the Lord of the Rings, it never really kickstarted again. But man, there's a certain era of, uh, like, I just think of this like Frizetta and uh, Iron Maiden and stuff like that. Like, but Soren Sorcery would just kill her.
1: Oh, gosh, or seeing a movie like freaking <clears throat> like Brutal Legend into a movie. Oh, that'd be so sick. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's something that needs to happen. I want to see uh, a Conan oh the
0: Barbarian TV show. <laughs> didn't, they, didn't they have one? Didn't they have the cartoon? Oh, you know what? No, no, no. Hold on. You know what? You're right. I'm talking – I want to see one that is exactly like the books. I want it to be on HBO or something like that, and it just be filled with gore and violence and outrageous, like, pulpiness like the original books. From Robert D. E. Howard. Oh yeah. The cartoons, which we're gonna do later sometime down the road. It's it's purely a kid show, obviously. You can't you can't have any fight uh, real violence and uh and, and the there was a syndicated T V show for a year that was just shit. It was filmed in Mexico and it cost like fifty bucks and it had just a really tone deaf actor. It was just bad.
1: <laughs> oh god, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh no, but just listening to that dragon. <laughs> Okay, hold on. I, I'm trying to i to repeat a line he just said. He's like, him save his pretty princess. I should well then I shall help him find one. Yeah,
0: it's, he does I, this weird thing with his
1: voice. I sh- <laughs> and so it's like, kinda like <laughs> I <laughs> I think I can get the tone down, I'm just can't remember any of his exact lines.
0: Um, there was a sequel to this, and that's actually the first one that I played in the arcade. Uh, my arch nemesis was a lady with a rolling pin who bashed my head in and I'd die. Uh, but it was, it was only ported to. Uh, your, I, I don't even know if you're going to remember this console because it lasted for like a year. The Philips CDI. It was the first CD based console, and it sucked ass. They had like six games out of like 30 that were any good. Uh, there was also the 3D L at the same time trying to beat everybody to the CD game before um, before PlayStation and Saturn got to it. Oh, they sucked.
1: Oh yeah. Oh uh, no, that's what happens when you try to rush product. I mean, look what happened with the Dreamcast.
0: Yeah. I love the Dreamcast. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh. Uh, yeah, and it had some great games, especially Grandia, Time Stalkers, Sonic Adventure, of course. And there was supposed to be like a Castlevania game and a, Street, a Streets of Rage game for it, but they ended up canceling it. Now, looking at this dragon, like was he Yoda's older brother, douchebag bro type?
0: What? What?
1: <laughs> the dragon from Dragons Lair is like I'm just uh, Yoda's. Old. <laughs> That's what he sounds like, just minus the, you know, switching his words around, like you know.
0: Oh, oh yeah do yeah up. yeah First,
1: yeah. Do not. I
0: got you. I um, to him. There <laughs> is a Dragons Lair <laughs> three, which is utilizing three D footage, which was released ten years ago. Uh, Digital Leisure is the company now that owns all of these games. Uh, you can usually find them for dirt cheap for your PC. Hell, you can even download them to your phone now. It's crazy how fast uh, technology uh, goes because now you can play these games on your iPhone.
1: Oh, no, I could play Nets the Old Republic if I wanted to on this. On oh, okay. right no I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, gosh. You know, I do remember them t- bringing back uh, Dragon's Lair uh, in a 3D format for PlayStation 2, I think.
0: Oh, you are correct. Uh, I forgot. There's a, a slight. It's not fully animated. It's just like a regular uh, uh, RPG. No, I don't even know if it's an RPG, but it's like a, a slash and a hack adventure game. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm like, wait a minute. That's not what Dragon Slayer 3D was about at all. What the hell are you doing, people? That's why it didn't do any good.
2: But uh, yeah.
1: Anyway, yeah. Don Bluth. Like, where did he start out? Didn't he first start out at Disney?
0: Um. Yes. Uh. Real quick, I want to wrap this up because we're getting to the end of the Dragon Slayer cartoon. Uh, The reason why uh, it still has some of the Donbue style, but it looks really watered down, is because it was from Ruby Spears. So they bought the likenesses, you know, they got the license, but they watered it down for, uh, you know, because TV animation had to be faster and, and cheaper, so, you know, it doesn't look as good by any means. It only lasted 13 episodes on ABC. I watched every single fucking episode over and over until they stopped airing it because I was so into this and Space Ace. Um, tons of reruns. It, it really ran on USA for years. Uh, I don't. I watch it now and I don't think it's that great. Even the game itself didn't have that wonderful of a plot, but it looks so good. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm done.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I honestly don't believe I mean, Ruby Spears, that's why kind of the animation looked familiar. But yeah, no, this is much cheaper. It's
0: just, oh. Alright, Don Yeah, blue. I'm, not, I'm, not
1: too, I'm not yeah, I'm not really too sold on the cartoon.
0: <laughs> I'm good. Well, we usually talk about back in tunes, but this is a Don blue special, so we're gonna cover everything. Um yeah, he did start at Disney and this is when Disney was kinda going through a flux. Like he started, um okay, so at first he started with Filmation. Filmation's the company behind Brave Star and He Man and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so he worked on the Archie's and a few other projects, but uh, moved on quickly to Disney and uh, I think he worked there during college. So I don't know if it technically counts. Does that
1: uh, not, I think it's, I'm not sure maybe
0: Well, okay, maybe. so he wasn't technically an animator at the time But he was an assistant to one of the animators on Sleeping Beauty. So technically uh, You know what he was paid? He was paid by Disney, so, okay, he actually started with Disney. Huh? I'm sorry? Uh, no, I was going to say, technically, if he's paid by Disney, he worked on a movie, so I'll say, I, I must correct myself, he started with Disney, went to Filmation, then back to Disney.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, no, I figured he had to start it at Disney because pretty much, just from looking at a Dragon's Lair, it's the same as Black Cauldron, the same as Sword and Sword in the Stone in particular. That's where it's very familiar.
0: Yeah, but he did not work on either one of those movies. These are the movies that he what? worked on. He worked on Robin Hood, Winnie the Pooh, and Tigger 2, The Rescuers, and Pete's Dragon. He was the head of uh, animation on Pete's Dragon.
1: Okay, yeah, definitely Pete's Dragon and The Rescuers. I oh, no, especially just from like, you know, oh God, what's her name? The main villain in Rescuers, that red-headed, crazy, nutjob bitch. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember her name.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen it in so long. Uh, So, he was working on Fox and the Hound uh, in pre-production, and he realized that Disney was no longer the company that he, you know, dreamed of working for. He wanted to see uh, higher quality animation, you know, not so much about saving dollars, and he wanted to bring more emotion to the drawings. Where Disney, this is the roughest period of Disney. Late 70s, early 80s is where they kept fumbling. They didn't know where they were going. They were focusing too much on live production. And the, their, their movies just kept bombing and bombing and bombing. And they were very close to going out of business. And he knew that they wouldn't have the kind of animation style that he wanted to. So he quit. He started his own company. And he won, I think he won an Oscar for his first animated special called Banjo, the Woodpile Cat. If you can find it, it is wonderful. It is so beautiful to look at. I'll
1: have to look, I will have to look into it.
0: And then he worked on a movie. Should... Oh, have you ever heard of Xanadu? A uh,
1: living in John Xanadu.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's his first, like, real feature production. And that movie, People Rip Apart Nonstop. I actually watched it for the first time last month. I'm still singing the damn songs.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't
1: help it. It's stuck in my head. Xanadu. Xanadu. Was... I'm
0: alive. Didn't we talk about this on some other episode? How much Xanadu got stuck in my head? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know. I think I was just. I think it's because when I mentioned uh, Anchorman Two, maybe, And uh, maybe. it was the song that played when Brick uh, and uh, what's her name?
0: Oh, oh, I know. Uh, the the girl said uh, that live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from Wiig. Yeah, Kristen Wiig. Yeah, yeah, her character. And they were making
1: out in the. <laughs> they were out near the Coke machine in the laundromat. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh God, What's it? Oh gosh! Swan from the Warriors was in it.
0: Yeah! Yeah! Michael. That's why like that Yeah. Now, his oh, first full on animated movie was Secret of Nim, which I watched on a weekly basis when I was a kid. We used to get it from the library over and over and over. I've seen that movie really so many damn times.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I did too. I watched it so. I mean, I used to watch it so many times as a kid, and um, I think fifth grade, I've seen it before. But then when we were reading the book, and then they decided to show the movie, you know, The Secret of Nim. That's when I knew exactly what it was. I was like, <gasps> like I would, I would like gasp at like every situation because I haven't seen it in so long, and I just cherished the movie. And was like, oh god, I remember this. I remember this. <laughs> Have you ever seen? I didn't sequel? Exactly spoil it.
0: There's a sequel to a Secret in Him, but I've never seen it because I'm afraid that I'll suck butt.
1: Oh yeah, the one about uh, Timmy. Isn't, wasn't that the sick? Wasn't that the sick child's name?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: Oh, yeah, I know, Adventures of Timmy or whatever. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm going to look at that either.
0: Yeah, it looks like one of those things where I, I would just damage the uh, oh, the legacy of it. Um, if anybody's seen it and they think it's a great movie, let us know because if it's good, then why not watch it? But, you know, I'm afraid, man, I'm afraid.
1: I know, I know. It's okay to be afraid.
0: Here's the cool thing. Stand about stand up for it. Don Bluth uh, not only got the best animators he could, Uh, He was also so awesome to agree to profit-sharing with his animators. Oh, hey, God, yeah, you should. He's the first person to ever do it in animation. He's the first person to go, you know what, if this movie makes a ton of money, you guys get a piece of it. That's badass. Who else does that?
1: Not very many people I can say that much right now. All right, so
0: (laughs) for me, the Dragon's Lair episode ends. I want to do Space Ace real quick because it also has an awesome opening give me just a sec here. Now, uh we're going to there's no space ace cartoon for me really, for me to dig into. So, I'm, we're just going to watch the gameplay on Space Ace. Right. Um but you know the sad part is The Secret in them, as much as we watched it as kids, it uh it bombed. It it made very little money and he went out of business. He went, he was bankrupt after his first movie. Mm-hmm. All right. So, as here a, oh. Uh, here is the Space Ace theme song or opening. Rated E ten for ages ten and up. Okay, I don't know why that's there. Sorry, guys.
3: Space Ace, defender of justice, truth, and the planet Earth. Ace is being attacked by the evil Commander Borg. Hold your fire. Who is that,
2: creep? Borg? Earth
3: beats the to me. No way, Borg, old buddy. Oh, ah, I've been
0: hit by the infanto Ray.
3: Struggle with Dexter to regain his manhood. Destroy the infantile race. Defeat the evil wolf. Hey, boy. <laughs> Come on, Kimberly, let's go. I've been hit. Be ah! valiant space warrior. The fate of Earth is in your
0: hands. <laughs> so the Space Ace game, um, they actually play that whole theme before you even start the game which oh my god i watched over and over like a, a kid with some serious mental issues <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh you you crazy man you but yeah no knowing what happened to Don blue i i honestly asked like what what about like critic reviews for secret of Nim? were they bad or were they good
0: no i think they were good i think a lot of people praised it it was at a time the animation all around was not this is going to get real loud hold on a second um uh, it, it just wasn't doing very well. Period, and nobody was doing animation except for Grown Up. This is a weird period, the only period in our entire history of animation where Grown Up movies were doing well. Uh, Ralph Bakshi was killing at the box office. Heavy Metal was doing well. It seemed like people were moving on, and that's why Disney got a little darker with like Black Cauldron. And then all of a sudden, everybody just changed their mind. Within a five-year period, everybody's just like, well, we stopped getting stoned, so we stopped wanting to watch stuff like Heavy Metal, so let's go back to the original stuff. Animation was at its worst point, I think, around 1984, 85, with the exception of Dragon's Lair, the game, because it was the only thing out there that looked good.
1: Okay, yeah, I know. Honestly, I mean, if, if, it does. It really sucks when good movies like don't, you know get such a bad rep because they don't make enough money in the box office.
0: Yeah, but you I mean, know, is, video is so a, wonderful. That's why they don't. What did movies do before video? How did they ever find an audience if they didn't do well the first time around? That sucks.
1: Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, pretty much the th- just a the theater. I mean, there was TV like back in like, what, the 40s and 50s when TV was just starting out nobody would go to the theaters anymore?
2: Yeah.
1: But they still do. I mean, shoot, look at Jurassic Park. <laughs>
0: Alright, everybody, let's uh I'm gonna we're just gonna discuss Space Ace while we watch the playthrough and all we'll get through the rest of Don Bluth's career.
1: You know what really pissed me off was a uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Like I mean that's got so much critical appraisal, but yeah. it just didn't
0: Nobody nope, turned up for it. Some there's some stuff that people just flat out reject. And I cannot figure out why. And there's no justification to their rejections. No, 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 no. It's it's ridiculous. Alright, uh, back to Don Bluth. God, I love watching the Space Ace. Uh, of the two, I think it's my favorite because Dragon Slayer now, of course, is the trendsetter, um, and I, yeah. I, I enjoy Sword and Sorcery. But when I was a kid, I didn't get Sword and Sorcery, but I was a huge Star Wars fan, so that's what I glommed to. And I watched Space Ace more than I did Dragon Slayer. I think.
1: Oh, I always loved Sword and Sorcery. I loved like the whole fantasy setting, especially with movies like Willow, Legend.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about Legend. Dragon
1: Slayer. The one with uh, Peter McNichol.
0: That's a great movie. You know that movie totally tanked, and that was another reason why Disney was suffering so bad. They paid through the nose for the special effects in that movie, and that bomb, Black uh, hole bombed. Uh, Tron did okay, but not as well as I think they were hoping it would. And they were just in a rough, rough patch. So, oh God. Uh, I kind of want. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I want to punch Dexter in the face.
0: I'll save you, Kimmy. <laughs> uh,
1: Does he really sound like that?
0: Yeah, the uh, Don Bluth was pretty much killing it afterwards. Disney was still sucking wind throughout the '80s. They were focused on their TV division more than they were uh, theatrical. So even though Nim bombed, uh, Dragons Lair was a massive success. I think it sold a million uh, consoles. You know, big you know arcade consoles, which is a lot of cash back then. Wonder how much you pay. Wow. How much do you think you pay for one of these consoles? Like a thousand, fifteen
1: hundred for one. Oh, I don't even want to know. I don't even know. I have no idea. Probably, yeah. No, they probably because they're antiques. People will jump the price.
0: Oh, that's funny. Uh, Don Bluth did the voice of the villain in this Borf. Oh wow. Yeah. So even though it this was... and Space Ace made shitloads of cash, the whole arcade business collapsed uh, the next year. So even though they were in production on other games, they never happened because um, nobody cared anymore. All the arcades started going out of business.
1: That's like a huge surprise. I mean, wh- why did they go out of business? Do you know anything about that, Michael? Um,
0: the, the main reason is... I always feel like you're like tossing me softballs for me to hit. <laughs> um, the reason Just is... Just this one, man. Uh, there is a great deal of speculation over two things. Um, Atari screwing it up big time with pac-man and et they produced more games than they did actually have sold consoles does that make any sense at all why would you why would you make more games than possible consoles with the expecting future it just it makes no sense so they lost their ass on that. you know and then you that doesn't make
2: any sense at
0: all yeah it's just ridiculous and then uh they were, uh, You know, Nintendo saved the day by making sure that they had quality control over any game that was pu- uh, put out on the Nintendo. And if you didn't get their approval, your game was not playing on their console. So uh, Atari never even thought about that. All they said was basically, you create a game for us, we'll carry it, we get a percentage of it. And uh, so anybody could put a game out there. And so they weren't one of the big boys, so they could charge nine ninety nine for a game whereas the big boys were charging dollars 49.99 for a game. Uh, I know it sounds insane back in 1982 to charge that much, but that's the way it was. I know, right? Uh, that's like a 250 dollar uh, game now.
1: I know, yeah, I know. It's pretty ridiculous. It's like gosh, a new game is like 59.99 these days, but back then 39.99 for yeah. this, please. I mean, yeah, it's just a new thing. It's starting up, but still that's even for the 80s. That's freaking expensive.
0: Um, so, by uh, in 1982, uh, everything kind of went crazy for Christmas. Actually, no, I'm sorry, 83. Uh, so, parents were going into the store looking at this new game, like, say, Pac-Man or Centipede or whatever, which were more legitimate. Oh. And they're looking at it going, well, I only have $50 to spend on my kid for Christmas. Why buy this one quality game when I can go over to the bargain bin and pick out 10 games for like a couple bucks a piece because they suck ass and nobody wants them. So all (laughs) the shitty games, the whole thing just collapsed. And that started to affect the uh, arcade because a lot of these games were starting to come home. People were losing their interest. It started to seem like a fad. And uh, it it just, I don't know. I used to remember there was an arcade everywhere. It was like video stores. There used to be a video store like on every corner. And then of course, blockbuster and Hollywood came in and wiped them all out. And then they went out of business because they overspent. And guess what? There's no more video stores. Yeah, pretty
1: much. No, there's just Redbox.
0: <sighs> I, you know what's funny is there's there's a town not too far from me, like two and a half hours away. It's a town of like I think seven thousand people. Two video stores, huge, huge video stores, including one of them filled like fifty percent VHS. See ya. Yeah, and they do very well. The people up there, uh, they're older, or they're kind of like backwoods, and they still have their VHS player. Now, if you have a VHS player, I don't, I'm don't. i not knocking on it in any way. Until about three years ago, I had one of the most massive collections of VHS you've ever seen. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm losing my voice.
1: I don't blame you. I, hey, I'm the one that gets you talking. I want to know this information, damn it. Yeah, sometimes
0: <laughs> – you know what's funny is some episodes we talk about – and i don't have much to say but then there's sometimes where i'm just like diary of the mouth i met kevin smith of the cartoons
1: <laughs> oh gosh, yeah uh
0: now i've only had the money of kevin smith or the cachet of popularity that he had uh space oh, wow. ace was released for the super nintendo i, I don't understand how that was even possible because i know this is laser disc from 1982 but i cannot fathom how they fit this on a cartridge
1: yeah, no, I mean, just looking at Space Age, I am definitely getting more of a kick out of this than I did Dragon's Lair.
0: Yeah, it's uh, this was, this was only released four months later, but you can see the look at the level in the background scenes. Uh, are you are you on the checker pad right now? Do you see like the tile, the checker tile?
1: Oh, I'm at the part where they're under the water, and yeah, you can definitely tell. Like that's Don Bluth. He you, you can tell he worked on Little Mermaid. Yeah, it's because that giant eel is, looks like Flotsam and Jetsam.
0: Oh no, he didn't work on he didn't work on Little Mermaid. He didn't? No. I, it's funny. Is Don Bluth, here's the thing. is No one wants to give him the credit. He is the one responsible for bringing classic animation back. Disney saw this, and they thought they had to meet the challenge. Um, so you will see his influence everywhere in those first few. Uh, you know, the, the revival of Disney happened with Little Mermaid. So Little oh, Mermaid. Yeah. Um, actually, I should take it back a little bit. Oliver and Company did quite well. Not like Little Mermaid did, but Oliver and Company, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast. And Aladdin all have his influence, and they start going in different directions after that. Lion King is a whole different realm.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I know. I don't think he had anything to do with Lion King.
0: Yeah, if you look at uh, the Aladdin's facial, or not Aladdin, the Genie's facial features, they're very dumb, Luke. They're very over-the-top, very expressive.
1: I know. Honestly, if Robin Williams couldn't be Genie, I think Dom DeLuise could have been Genie.
0: Yeah, oh, wow, yeah.
1: Just from looking at him, he did kind of remind me more of Dom DeLuise.
0: Now, Dom DeLuise actually worked with Don Bluth on All Dogs Go to Heaven.
1: And Oliver and Company. <coughs> you no,
0: know, I've never seen Oliver and Company. I feel like that's the one Disney movie I oh, don't think I've ever seen.
1: Billy Joel is in it. He's the voice of, uh, I want to say, Oscar, the one dog that helps out Oliver.
0: Yeah, I have to see this.
1: I can't, oh, Gosh, I forget the name. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But yeah, I'm not going to lie, yeah, dude. Uh, Space Ace? Oh, I, I, wish there was more to it. I would love to keep watching this.
0: Yeah, the animated special, uh, I mean animated series, yeah. it also lasted I think thirteen episodes. In this one, okay, so Dragon's Lair was its own thing. Uh, Space Ace was part of a series called Saturday Supercade. It was I think an hour and a half block. Now the reason we're not discussing uh Saturday Supercade until the next episode. Is because that one had six or seven classic video game characters, so it's just it's just too much to discuss. But this is the only one that's like Don Bluth of that block, so we want to focus and stay on Don Bluth, and it's over.
2: It's so sad. I don't want
0: to. I don't want
2: it to end.
0: <laughs> <sighs> so the uh, Space Ace cartoon, the girl Kimberly, she is actually voiced by Nancy Cartwright. Which, uh, who does uh, Bart on The Simpsons. Are you still there?
1: Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, it's such Sorry. a long Sorry.
0: silence. Oh. I was like, did he die? I was worried that you could cut off. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like, yes, the, they got me. The dragon has slain me. I failed in my mission. I will not go to
3: Valhalla.
0: <laughs> All right, so these two uh, Ace Space dragon lair Huge. Brought him into the mainstream. Secret and M kind of got it out there, but this is where everybody was talking about it. And he restarted a studio. He moved to Ireland uh, because there was huge tax cuts and stuff like that, plus uh, animation costs were cheaper than uh, in California. Uh, Steven Spielberg had seen him, uh, had seen Dragon's Lair, and was fascinated by it, so he hired him to do one of the best animated movies of all time, at least in my opinion, American Tale.
1: Oh God, yes. Life. Oh no, I love. I mean, I loved. Amer- I did. Actually, I watched Five Will Goes West first before I watched American Tail. Yeah. Know, too young at the time, but yeah. After watching, after watching and comparing the two, I, I, it's kind of hard to like one over the other. They're both uh, absolutely wonderful. And Dom DeLuise was the voice of Cat. No, not Cat. Tiger, who was <laughs> a cat.
0: Um, uh, I have seen the first one a few times. I went and saw it in the theater. But it is the second one that I've seen over and over and over. I will co- give him the crazy eye. <laughs> is it crazy eye? Oh, yeah, the it, la- lazy it, eye.
1: Is it lazy eye? Because it's been one.
0: a while since I've seen it. Is it lazy It's crazy- a lazy eye. <laughs> okay. I,
1: I, I do Don, a Don DeLuise impression, but I can't do that.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. I just remembered he was also in Secret of Nim.
0: Yeah, mine was the crow. Was, mine was the. Uh, you're right. Mine was more of a Jimmy Stewart impression because he's the guy who helps Fievel. Um And John Cleese is a wonderful villain in that, that second one. Um, oh, yes. And, of John course, Cleese. American Tail had uh, the Five Goes West, but they had two direct-to-video sequels, and they also had a TV series, none of which I've seen.
1: I only knew there was a, I only knew there was American Tail and then there was Five Goes West. Five Goes West, for the animation that it was,
0: Top-notch, right? Yeah, so Fievel was a huge, or American Tail was a huge hit. Then Land Before Time, which is also another Spielberg-Bluth collaboration. I went and saw that in the theater, too. Yeah. I thought it was so cute. It was. I mean, who couldn't love it? It made you love dinosaurs even more. I was, what's his name? His name's like Ducky or whatever? Yup, yup, yup.
1: <laughs> yeah, there was Ducky.
0: There was Petrie. There was
1: Spike. There was Sarah. And then there was Littlefoot.
0: I Oh my god, I named them all. I, all. I sad. well that's crazy. I wore out my tape and uh and I even had some of the toys. I think we got them from like Pizza Hut or something like that. We had like little puppets you could move. They did. This only co- I, I can't believe Oh god, I Land, Land before time only cost 12 and a half million. How does that even happen? 12 and a half
1: million for an animated movie back then. Holy I know right. Shit.
0: Uh, and made
1: Batman Batman Mask of the Phantasm was only, what, cost $6 million.
0: Yeah, you know what, that's that's one movie we should discuss. That is probably my favorite animated movie. That is so... In my mind, the best interpretation of Batman has always been those two animated movies, uh, Sub-Zero and uh, The Mask of the Phantasm.
1: Definitely Mask of the Phantasm. That's definitely one of the best interpretations of Batman. Hell, that whole animated series, people went nuts for it. It won, it won Emmys for that. Yeah. Best animation. Gosh. But yes, no, uh, I had no idea if Don Bluth worked on that. Uh, did, he also worked on a Titan AE. I'm pretty sure he did, because that character did, design is very similar to the previous
2: look.
0: Um, yes, know. Before we get to that one, though, he did All Dogs Go to Heaven, uh, which I think I saw in the theater, and I remember seeing the sequel on video, but I never went to see it there. That was also like went on to a TV show. He, he really knew how to spin his stuff off into sequels and uh, TV shows.
1: Yeah, he did. And Dom DeLuis still
0: played Itchy. Uh, yeah, it wasn't that but big Charlie of a hit, Sheen, though. Uh, I think it did better on video. Yeah.
1: yeah, Charlie Sheen, he went to a... Yeah, he was the voice of uh, Charlie in the second movie. Yeah, exactly. he The first That's one right. was Bert. Yeah.
0: Bert fucking uh,
2: Reynolds.
1: <laughs> yeah, both Anthem men, both, I'm sure, had lots of sex with lots of women. One oh, one. yeah, definitely Charlie Sheen, though. We can't deny that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I swear he did something. Oh, you know what? Uh, here's the part where I have to plead uh, ignorance. I have not seen a chunk of his movies because I just lost interest. I never saw Rockadoodle, Thumbelina, A Troll oh. in Central Park, or Pebble and the Penguin. In fact, I don't think anybody did. I think all those movies bombed.
1: I've see all. i seen all those movies. I loved them. Except for Troll in Central Park. That one I never watched. And knowing that it has, okay, again, Dom DeLuise, but it also has Charles Nelson Reilly.
0: Charles Nelson Riley.
1: <laughs> oh gosh, I would take my glasses and I would do this.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, I loved when Alec Baldwin was impersonating. Yeah, he did a
0: really good job. <laughs>
1: uh, Alec Baldwin, what can you say? he's he is a man of for comedy. He has a comedic he has comedic talent. Who knew? I mean,
0: he just came out of nowhere because he was such a self serious actor. Then all of a sudden, yeah, whoa, what's this? Yeah, I'm looking at some of these. Uh Rocket Doodle almost made its budget back. Uh Thumbelina didn't it lost almost everything. This is the crazy part. Uh a troll in Central Park cost twenty three million dollars. Released by Warner Brothers, who has money to promote. Do you want to know how much this money this movie made? None. Seventy thousand dollars. Seventy thousand dollars. Holy crap, that's like the Why? 40- that's like a food cost for one day. Oh, that sounds horrible. I know.
1: This is, this is horrible. What the hell? These are great animated movies. I, I mean, I'm sure they were highly praised and you know got great critical reviews, right? But just, it's just the marketing. It, just, it wasn't really put out there. I think it's the, same, it's the same problem that Batman Master of the Phantasm went through.
2: Yeah. Nobody
1: really knew about it. Nobody was really told about it. There weren't too many advertisements about it. That's why some of these don't make their money back. They didn't want to spend that much on advertisement as well.
0: Uh, things looked better when he got to Fox. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is Anastasia, and that was his first Oh, Fox. Fox gave him a proper budget. Uh, he had a solid script. I feel like he was just kind of phoning it in with his animated movies that he did uh, after leaving Spielberg. But you said they're good, so I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen them, so I don't know if they're any good or not. Oh,
1: gosh. I think they are wonderful. I have to watch a troll in Central Park when I get the chance. That one I've never seen. Plus, I love Don DeLuise's voice. Like He's the one guy whose voice I would recognize because I grew up listening to him so yeah. much, especially in Spaceballs with Pizza the Hut.
0: And Cannonball Run. I watched the shit out of Cannonball Run. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, Don Bluth. I think he's, he's definitely, he's definitely, oh gosh, he deserves a lot of praise for his work in animation. I'm pretty sure, uh, uh, Anastasia did good, that it is a it, it, huge, right?
0: it uh, cost fifty million dollars, which was twice the budget of his other movies. He had a real cast, you know you had Kelsey Grammer, John Cusack, uh, Meg, Ryan. Meg Ryan and uh, uh oh oh uh Bartok, uh Hank Azaria, that's my favorite character. Uh Hello Master, how you doing? He had a real like uh, high pitch kind of Brooklyn voice. I almost went to an Irish voice there. I I'm not oh, as good as the impersonations yeah, as you I are. Could, I- you know, high-pitched Brooklyn, something like this. Yeah, a but he also had a weird pitch choice, boy. Yes, yeah, it almost sounds Irish. I, mean. I almost. a little bit like this. You'd have to watch it again. Uh, Bartok is my I, favorite character. I forgot Christopher Lloyd. I think plays the villain. He does. Oh,
2: uh,
1: Christopher Lloyd. Oh gosh, he can play. He can voice a great villain. That's the yeah, answer. Yeah,
0: well, he played. It's a it's a darker story too. Uh, Don Booth always tried to add a little more maturity to his animated movies. Uh, Christopher Lloyd plays Rasputin. Oh. And uh, kind of terrifying, oh, actually. Wow.
1: Oh, gosh. I don't blame him. God, Rasputin seemed like a terrifying man. He looks like an evil man. I'm sorry. I don't mean to, you know, judge on the book, bu- you know, but fuck. Yeah, look at him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I remember uh, my degree is in theater, and I remember, you know, yeah, I like musicals and everything, but I remember someone telling me that Anastasia was amazing, They took his girlfriend to it. And I'm looking at his girlfriend, I'm looking at him, and I go, You're just one of those guys that says shit like this so he can get you into bed. You know what I mean? Like, I remember this one friend of mine who goes, "Uh, We're all talking about our favorite movies. And, uh, you know, my favorite movie is Bed of Roses with Christian Slater. I'm going, That's not even Christian Slater's best movie. You're just trying to get her into bed. What the fuck? And. (laughs) Yeah, you knew it. it was BS. He's just saying it to say it. And someone was telling me Anastasia was like an amazing movie, and I was really skeptical. But when it came out on video, I rented it and I was like, "Holy crap, you are right."
2: <laughs> you
1: know, plus it's like, gosh, if he was if he was that kind of douchebag bro, just trying to have sex with a girl. Yeah. Seriously, you're pretty much insulting Christian Slater by saying that shit. But yeah, knowing that, no, I thought I don't know. I mean, it's uh, that's debatable between that and True Romance.
0: Oh, True Romance is much better. Uh, yeah, Gleaming the Cube is better than Better Roses. Uh. <laughs> oh wow. All right, so Cuffs, with, I was a bit surprised by with the success of Anastasia, Fox signed him to more movies. They had uh, Titan A.E. ready to go, and they had Dragon's Lair, the movie, ready to go. So he went with Titan A.E. first because the script was done. Do you want to know who wrote Titan A.E.? Oh, my
1: gosh. Am I going to freak out if you tell me who it is?
0: Okay, I'm going to save the best for last. First is Ben Edlund. He is the creator of Tick. And he also wrote for Supernatural, Angel, and stuff like that. Great writer. Uh, He also wrote uh, Venture Brothers. Um, Oh, my God. Yeah, then John August, who I believe wrote Big Fish. He did write Big Fish. Uh, Excellent writer. He also wrote uh, The Charlie and Chocolate Factory and Corpse Bride. But the winner uh, is Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon wrote fuck out of here yeah those three wrote this movie and hit oh my god so that's bad. Fucking
1: awesome. dude that's fu- no fucking way oh my god it's, yeah oh my well then again just re- after re it recently it's like shit yeah you would have to think god that is just that's something joss whedon would do
0: now critics <laughs> and fan uh, uh audiences turned away from it and uh, i think the reason is is because i don't understand why it is it only seems to be in america where we reject anything that's like PG thirteen or R when it comes to animation, unless it's on Adult Swim and the budget's like a million dollars or less. Uh, right. When it comes, I mean, this movie cost a fortune. Anastasia cost fifty. This one cost seventy five, possibly ninety. There is really vague on Wikipedia, and it only made thirty six right. million dollars. And I just don't understand why it is that when we see something like this, if it's live action, we go see it, but if it's animated, nope.
1: I don't know. I mean, a lot of people do. I mean, unless nowadays, unless it's like Pixar or something like that. No, nobody wants to see it. It's bullshit.
0: uh, You know what? I always thought Pixar made a huge mistake by not making John Carter as an animated movie. Uh, It would have cost them probably $150 million, but, you know, Disney decided to spend $250 million making live action, and no one went to see it, even though I I enjoy it. Um, I feel like they should have tried for a PG-13 grown-up animated movie.
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, I wish they did that with Howard the Duck when it was first being made. That I mean, that was ah, the original idea. It
0: would have worked the, so much better. They should have given Howard the Duck to Ralph Bakshi. He could have handled the subtext and give him a proper budget oh, oh, so he'd have the yeah. corners.
1: Oh, God, yes. Oh, man. Just seeing his a- animation, <laughs> just thinking how he really could have brought out everything about Howard that that movie couldn't. I know. Oh. It's
0: just uh, – you know what? I think this is the most, I think of all of our episodes, we've done, what, 150 episodes or something like that. This is the episode where everything just – we're so passionate. I just realized right now we We don't – there's no lulls. There's no rambling. We know exactly what we want to talk about, and I, I'm actually really proud of this right now. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, no, honestly, but Titan A.E., I saw that in the theaters. I was blown away by it. I wanted all the fucking action figures and everything.
0: Yeah, I I, uh, I got in an accident right when it came out, and I couldn't sit for a very long time because my tailbone was all screwed up. So I had to watch it on oh. long, and it just didn't. Fit. Oh, my rectum. Yeah, I got in a, I got in a bike. Yeah, I got in a bike accident, and my hip popped out of place. Fuck. And it stayed oh, that ooh, way yeah. for so long. Like, was it like a
1: crash? Did someone come up behind you and hit you? No, what, no, happened? Uh, what
0: happened? So here's the thing: is I was working pizza delivery. This sounds so stupid when you say it in reality. I was working pizza delivery for years during college, and um, sure. I'd always leave the pizzas on one side. Instead of getting out of the car and opening up the door yeah. and you know getting the pizza, I always went from one side, picking up pizzas over and over and over for years. So one side of my body, the muscles got stronger and tighter and stronger and tighter, while the other side didn't. And what it did was shift my hip up towards my rib cage, and it twisted my spine in such a way. And um, it caused like pain, like hernia pain. I thought I had a hernia for a while. And um, I had that. And then all of a sudden I started getting spasms in my groin. And this is embarrassing, but I'd actually pee myself a little bit. Or I'd get erections for no reason whatsoever. You'd be in the middle of a conversation <laughs> and like, uh-oh. Oh, shit. And I was like, the- Mr. So-
1: Burgundy, you have an erection.
0: I had so <laughs> many pain pills running through my body. And, uh, I had like these injection shots to block nerves, which hurt like hell. the needles were huge and thick oh. and, uh, they could not figure it out for anything. And then one day someone just started asking me these questions, which someone should have done earlier. Uh, and he goes, you should probably go get x-rays and maybe see a chiropractor. And I went to a family friend and he was a chiropractor. He took pictures and he goes, wow, how are you even able to walk? And I go, I can barely walk. I, I'm only on like on nerve blockers right now. It's the only reason I can move. I mean, I had to be helped up a, the the stairs. It was that bad. And uh, he said, your 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 hip is completely shifted out of place. So he'd pop it out of... Here's my problem with chiropractic is they want to pop it, but they never teach you the root of the problem. It wasn't until I started doing yoga and stretching those muscles out that the pain went away. It comes back every once in a blue moon. But... Uh, um, it's about the muscles around your bones that are screwing things up. You need to stretch and strengthen those bo- uh, muscles for everything to work out right. So I have scoliosis right. now because of that whole thing. But to, to wrap it up, uh, yeah, I really wanted to see a bunch of movies and I could never go because the pain was so incredible. I could not sit. I couldn't sit for almost three years. And I had to wear an ice pack on my. I, this is, guys, this is really throwing it all out there. So I take the waistband of my underwear and I put an ice pack in there to numb the pain so I could walk. And in fact, it was so bad for a while that I would literally walk around with an ice pack all day. I'd just walk around with an ice pack. Uh, and if I wore a t-shirt, you could see the outline of the back uh, ice pack. And uh, I remember once someone thought I was stealing something. I had to show him in front of people that it was an ice pack. Showing him my underwear is humiliating. So that's when I started looking into uh, yoga and other methods to stop the pain because I couldn't go around with an ice pack. That was insane.
1: Yes, jeez! Oh, good God, my. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, so um, uh, back to Don Bluth. I'm looking here. He did work on Sword in the Stone. Sword in the Stone.
1: I figured. I knew it. The char- like I said, character design. Just you know, just the shape of their noses, the way Boars looked. I was like, oh God, he looks like the guy from Dragon's Lair.
0: But here's the thing: is he was an assistant director. Disney did not give him a credit. I only. So you look it up on IMDb, and there's nothing really there. I had to look it up on Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. I know, right? Whew. And he worked on—I—I always... I, I didn't even know this was a series. There was a cartoon series called "Will the Real Jerry Lewis Please Sit Down?" <laughs> that wow. Uh, <laughs> he were Oh, he worked on the Journey Back to Oz. That was a really good animated movie. That was closer to the books than um, pretty much Journey anything else. Puck? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I think so, I remember something like
1: that. I'm... I remember an anime version of Wizard of Oz, but
0: Journey Back to Oz. There's a lot of animated uh, Back to uh, Oz books. It's crazy. Uh, So I think that's pretty much it with the Don Bluth. The sad part is Titan AE pretty much broke the whole thing. The, The company fell apart. No one would finance anything. No one would come near him. He tried for years. I remember like 15 years ago, him like, Saying, "Oh, we weren't. were we are in touch with all these studios to get Dragon's Lair going. Everybody's really excited, and then nothing would happen. You get so disappointed. And it got to the point where he was only uh, doing like, which was cool, that he was teaching kids um, about animation. Like he would have like these online things, you know, to promote and teach you how to do animation. He would sell like uh, books and uh, license out the Dragon's Lair stuff like that." But his heyday is over. He's 77 now anyway, so he should just enjoy his legacy.
1: Oh, yeah, gosh. Somebody should bring back... like Someone out there who knows of Bliss work would try to bring back what he was doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it says... That, would be, that still, would be the
1: greatest thing to that man.
0: There's still... It says as of 2012, they're still trying to find funding for a film version. It would be nice that if one of his most prolific uh, uh, characters, Dragon's Lair, you know, the storyline... Oh, yeah. If it was possible for him to go out on that note. Nobody wants to end their career on a bomb. Uh, Titan AE did find an audience later, but, you know, it didn't do very well. And nobody really wants that to be the end, you know. I mean, I'm sure John Candy didn't want to go out knowing that Canadian Bacon was his last movie that nobody saw. You know, nobody wants that. They want to go out big. And uh, it would be nice if Dragon's Lair was made and that was his final legacy.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. It def- It should happen before he passes.
0: All right, so, thank you, thank you. wow, we've hit almost the hour. We've only gone to an hour like three times, and uh, uh, I think this is well worth it. I, guys, I really hope that you enjoyed this. Um, and I want to say this real quick. I feel like I've been all about the promotion and putting together episodes, but I haven't been very good at discussing with the audience anything, what, what they want from the show, what they like about the show, what they they hate about the show. Uh, I'm going to try to get more involved. What What you guys want us to discuss is uh, important too so just let us know um i'm gonna put a, i'm gonna put a survey out there and uh see what you guys responses are to this
1: yes do please tell i want to know. yes please or and if you as far as ideas go give me try and test my try and test my vocal performances see if i can do a funny voice
0: yeah you know we, we've been um, doing that on our other shows is uh trying to get you to do new characters There was a character that popped in my head just a second ago, and for the life of me, I cannot remember what it was because I wanted you to do it so bad. (laughs) All right, so I give you guys an update. Uh, Every once in a while, we give a schedule. Now you will see some reruns here and there because I'm trying to fill. Like you know, I try to do two back and tunes a week. We'll do uh, a new episode, which you can usually tell because it'll be a double feature, and then one rerun, like a flashback episode. So you don't, if you if you missed or whatever, you know, you can catch up. But you can also go to the Back in Tunes page on Facebook and find every episode that way.
1: Indeed, yes. We do have quite a few episodes. I'm sure there's plenty of material for you guys to think from.
0: Right. Uh, next week is going to be Pac-Man. And then we're going to discuss Saturday Super K. That way we can get into, like, Frogger and Donkey Kong, stuff like that. Uh, the week after and that, that it is
1: Super Mario.
0: Yeah, this is the one that you and really got excited about was we're going to discuss Super Mario Brothers. There's like three different versions of that, but we're also going to do our very first What the Fuck tunes. Uh, We're going to discuss Legend of Zelda. Uh, As good as Mario Brothers is, Zelda just sucked total ass. And uh, I think it's going to be the first one that we just look at and just rip apart. We did have one. Oh, it's kind of, we bring it up every once in a while. We did have a, a What the Fuck episode about a year and a half ago with Battletoads. But it was so bad that we uh, threw it away. We just erased it because it was just painful.
1: Thankfully, we did. Oh, my God. I do not want to look back on the horror. <laughs> oh, the, the, the terrible pastel the colors.
0: All right, blended. I only got a few oh, seconds oh, oh, oh. left. So those, those are the next couple episodes. We'll give you guys more updates on what we got coming next. So uh, before we hit an hour moment, this is Michael signing off. Uh, peace and grease, people.
1: All right, everybody have a good night. Namaste and good luck. Don't forget to tip your waitress or wait her.
0: And uh, be excellent to each other. It's a rough world. Enjoy your cartoons. Hug each other once in a while. Do virtual high fives. <laughs> uh,
1: just me- say high five. That lazy.
0: <laughs> make the world a better place for you and me. And I'll stop now because this is really cheesy. <laughs>
3: I've got you under my skin. Good night, everybody.